3: We are now jockeying for position. If you are following your favorite NFL team, you're now coming down the home stretch. And now you're going for the win. There's no more, it's the early part of the season, mid part of the season. Hey, we'll play better in the next couple of weeks. You're running out of weeks and excuses. If you're not trending up right now, you've got a problem. I was listening to the Eagles head coach in his press conference today. He's a weird guy on press conferences. Guy asked him a question about motion, which is a legitimate one. Yeah, I'll I'll gladly answer this question. I've answered it five times, but I'll gladly answer the question. Hey, Nick, you don't have to try to win every interview and every press conference. That guy tries to win every press conference because of the shitty one he had at the very beginning. Dude, it's all good. You don't have to try to win every press conference. And you don't have to justify answering the same question 10 times. You could actually tell those Philadelphia media people to pound sand if you felt like it. But I do think it's in the best interest of the Eagles and Bob Lang and all the PR people that when you're going through some bumpy roads here, that the head coach wins the press conference. That means bullshit artists to me. You're, I, I want you to win games, not the press conference. You don't have to answer every freaking question with a justification around it. I mean, I don't know how many questions today he was asked. I I answered this, but I'll gladly do it again. Hey, Nick, then why put the asterisk on it? It, I mean, he's got the weirdest press conferences. Boy, I'll tell you something. One thing that's definitely something that I've learned in two and a half years, going on three years now covering your Eagles. The Eagles like to win the court of public opinion. Holy cow. They do not want you to have any advantage, nor do they want you to know anything. I mean, yeah, Joseph, he's awkward. He's awkward because they put him in an awkward position. Nick Sirianni is so much not himself at press conferences. He's more like himself on the sidelines. Honestly. It's like he's being directed. Shit, if you're being directed in press conferences, how do we know you're not being directed on the sidelines? There is so much strict control in that organization. It goes to how you even do press conferences. It, I mean, I don't know. I mean. That's just a takeaway I had. And it seems to be every one of them. Hey, I've answered this question five times, but I'll gladly do it again. <sighs> hey, man, that's a, that's a backhanded slap. That's a backhanded slap to the guy who asked the question. By the way, I'll say it one more time to you. This is not about records. This is about matchups. The records almost are insignificant. Let me give you an example of that. I was listening to Tone and Rob on Sports Take, and they went down the line of Seattle and said this. Well, Seattle's got mediocre offensive numbers. Well, let me me put that in perspective to you, what I'm talking about. Seahawks offense is ranked 20th. 324 yards per game, 325. Eagles defense is ranked 22nd, 353. That's a matchup that favors Seattle. Where are you coming under the guise that you're better than Seattle when you haven't proven it all year on defense? Seattle's better than your defense. They're better than you. I mean... They're better than you. That's a matchup. That's why when you start talking about records, where where do you come off thinking your defense is going to stop Seattle, which is a mediocre offense? You're less than mediocre. You're the worst, especially over the last month. Where are you coming up with that advantage because of your offense that hasn't been clicking all year? I mean, I'm giving you who you are. Seattle is just as good as the Philadelphia Eagle defense when it comes to their offense. And you don't have anybody to cover their wideouts. Not to sound corny, but thank you. By the way, as an overall 53 man, Who's better? Philly. So the coaching staff favors Seattle. The defense is a push. This is all on the offense? Okay. Like I said yesterday, Jalen Hurts, I need more from you. I need more from you. Because nobody else, when you take on Seattle Monday night, is going to help you. There's no magic guy coming out of the locker room. There's no more people to be signed. There's no more scheming. There's only one guy that can right the ship. By the way, this is not going to be a gloom and doom show here. I'm, I, there's going to be some positive here, okay? I promise you. Okay? Hey, Ho! Go right ahead, man. You're right. Look at look at Ho talking about a 10-3 record with two teams that just smashed you over the head with a mallet. And he's talking like he's good. You were just annihilated. Annihilated. That 10-3 record was destroyed by two teams. You were not competitive. How about this? I'm 10 and 3. And in two of the losses, we weren't competitive. And one of the losses is the shitty Jets. Sounds like things are working out well there, guy. Don't let the house fall in. Wow. This guy has more faith in the record than the the actual team. I'll say it one more time. You're not winning a Super Bowl in 2023-24. You're not, it's Unless something changes drastically, like injuries to the Cowboys and Niners and Ravens and Chiefs, unless something like that happens, you're not getting there. Now, could that happen? Absolutely, especially with the history of San Francisco. That's why this thing isn't over. How? That's why it's not over. Again, it's not about – this is not a league of – Records. This is a league of matchups week to week. Ho. <laughs> yeah, Ho knows what's up. It's all good, man. I appreciate Ho being, Ho. <laughs> oh, man. I can't wait to get into this little nugget here that we just happened to dig up here. Because yesterday we dug up the fact that half your coaching staff is in first year responsibilities in their new jobs how I'll, that's the last time i'll do that I, I i'd like to point this little thing up okay give me give, give me the overall sense hey look at look at lj seattle's a tomato can. then what's your defense a crushed tomato can hey lj the Eagle defense is Spider Rico. Spider Rico is your D coordinator. Spider Rico. Here, Godfrey just asked the question, How Seattle going to beat? I'll tell you what. I saw Seattle play against Dallas and San Francisco. I thought they played them better than you played them. Am I wrong? I I thought they played Dallas and San Francisco better than you did. They were more competitive. Were they not? They were more competitive. Shit, they almost beat Dallas. They hung right there with San Francisco. You guys were destroyed. And one of those games was at home. Uh, destroyed We're, we're gonna kill this team monday i sure hope so we're we we got a topic for that too my friends here we go how many people believe that jalen hurts is regressing as a passer I got some numbers to back this up. I think he is. Not all his fault. How many people believe he's regressing? See, what you don't want to do right now is you don't want to start that conversation like you did with Wentz. And you're going to fight me today. You're going to fight me today on it like you did on Wentz. To one day you had an epiphany and you woke up and you all flip-flopped on him. You don't want to do that. Now, I'm not saying you should. I'm just pointing out a crossroads. If there's a crossroads Monday for Nick Sirianni, we're getting there for Hertz. Remember, he don't have a gigantic sample size of greatness. He's had one here. He's had one less than average year, one spectacular year. One okay year. Who is he? Remember, you're not as good as one year, and you're not as bad as the other year. So, is this what he is? I I, I can't answer that. I don't know. I'm not a fortune teller, so I don't know. Okay. It's is, is Jalen Hurts regret. Let me let me let me point something out to you here. So theoretically. In the Cowboy game, he targeted three dudes. I think Zacchaeus had one catch, so really, but he targeted three guys. He targeted A.J., Devontae, and Goddard. That targeted eight. And I'll throw this at you. So Kenny Gainwell, DeAndre Swift, Quez Watkins, did they get any targets? Quez Watkins, Julio Jones, Siqueas all played 52 snaps. Katera and Stoll also had zero targets. Do you know how many targets, Quez, Jones, and Zacchaeus had playing 52 snaps? One. Swift had none. I, I, I mean, it's the Cowboy game. And you're not using all your weapons? Where are we going here? I thought this kid was supposed to be evolving and you were supposed to be helping him. I mean, Dak targeted eight. There's a prime example. You're holding the ball. Hey, you know why he's holding the ball five seconds? Because he's only looking for two dudes. And when you cover those two dudes, coordinators now know that. Here's Here's the way you beat Philly. Cover the two dudes. Make the third guy beat you. He can't. And when you don't have a healthy Dallas Goddard in the game, he doesn't have a third guy to go to. Here's something else that's weird. So DeAndre Swift's on pace for 46 catches. You would say that's pretty damn good. That's pretty impressive. Averaging five yards a play. You're not buying it if you're a coordinator. That's not what they're doing. It's a decoy. Coordinators go, they throw to him very seldom when it comes to really trying to create big yards. It's a decoy. They got decoys all over the field. They want to get it to two guys. Now, look, there's a part of me that goes, I mean, it's Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Absolutely. But if you're not spreading that football around and you're not running the ball and you're not doing your RPOs and all that, you're hampering those dudes too. Those guys are having fabulous years. They're going to have another fabulous year. Fabulous season. Those guys are going to get their numbers. How come Hurts looks worse? How come the offense looks worse? How come you're hearing players say the words predictability? Teams have figured you out. You you have till Monday to ride it. Yeah, I know hey, see, he has caught that one target from our punter. Oh, that's right, I forgot. So really hurts only targeted three guys. Thank you, maniac. I had forgotten that. The punter threw it. <laughs> oh yes, that's right. Has Jalen Hurts regressed as a passer? Yes or no? You know why he's regressing? Because the defense offense hasn't evolved. Like we said yesterday. When you start to really dissect the numbers, he's horrible on first down. He's targeting two dudes, three really. Okay. Okay you're not helping him and i hear folks all over the place in every platform saying i think they'll write this what gives there's two things that i have not given and i will not give this team the benefit of the fact or benefit of the doubt that is coaching you don't get the benefit of the doubt in coaching or your defense with me And here, you go into this Seattle game with a defense that can hang, okay? With the Seattle offense, kind of, which is not very good. And this has got to come down to an offense who, heading into week 15, still doesn't have an identity. Help me out on this. He has time to throw, so that's not the excuse. You know what he's actually doing, Picking? He's actually hurting the offensive line when it comes to getting pressures and sacks. Because he's only targeting two guys. Three. I mean, the numbers speak to how about this? You see, the one thing about the NFL, and you're talking numbers. Statistics are trends in that sport. And I'll tell you why, and I'll show you why. Some of you go like this all the time, and you say the dumbest shit all the time to me. Well, those are just stats. Well, if you go to one play 10 more times than the next play, is that a favorite play in the Eagle playbook or not? Use your common sense. Stay with me here, folks. When you start running certain plays that Jalen likes or Swift likes or Brian Johnson likes, and you go to that play 35% of the time in your offensive playbook, and you continue to do that, does that not become a trend on what that team's – That's an identity play. Here's an identity play, the brotherly shove. That's an identity play, okay? What's the one play this year that's an identity play outside of the brotherly shove? Last year, it was the RPO. What is your signature play in that team this year? This is where you find your identity. You know know what the 49er one was with Jerry Rice? That absolutely sexy and brilliant slant pass he ran. Holy cow. He was just magic on film watching that thing. Watching Rice run the slant, my God, spread you out, Bill Walsh, and that guy ran that slant pass and no one could defend it. It was just Beauty to watch on film when you watch that play. Off tackle play with Adrian Peterson. Everyone's got an identity play. What's the Eagles? They haven't found one yet? You had one last year. That did... Get this. Just to show you, Yeah, hey, picking, the A.J. Slant play is pretty good too. Absolutely. That's a great play. Coordinators see that now. How how do you think AJ's played the last couple? I thought Stefan Gilmore did a great job on him. I, I thought, didn't he cause a fumble too? I thought Gilmore did a great job. I thought, actually, if you think about it, remember you guys were telling me you had better corners than the Cowboys? That's not the case. Cowboys outplayed your corners. And I still think Devontae. And um, A.J. had fair games. Look at your target. Julio Jones, Quez Watkins, Zaccheaus played 52 snaps and zero targets. Both tight ends that were backups had zero targets. Swift had no targets you expect to beat the Cowboys with two dudes. I, I think Goddard had four. I mean, do you really expect them to beat the Cowboys with Jalen Hurts and two dudes? You have not shown me... Anything in two years that makes me look at your offense and goes like this. Wow, that's a new element. Wow, that's great. How about Jalen Hurts out in the open in the perimeter passing? How about him throwing the ball on the run? Why not try to develop that? Can you imagine Jalen Hurts in an RPO-type scenario out in the perimeter Going right and throwing the ball on the run? Or can he do it? I don't know. You haven't really done anything to develop the kid in any other form whatsoever. And you know what you've done, which is the Cardinal sin in developing a young quarterback. Why in the world would you have a young quarterback that came into the NFL knowingly having issues when it came to reading defenses, having him drop back in the middle of the field? When you know full well, even the great ones, from Brady, Montana, Russell Wilson, all of them, you start with half the field, then you move to the middle of the field, then you see all of the field. That's how you develop quarterbacks. Peyton Manning was developed that way. You would, instead of roll, instead of having a guy if you can't roll, you go on the hash mark. You drop back on the hash on the right side, short side of the field. Every coordinator in his right mind knows that is how you develop a guy. You understand when you have a quarterback that has deficiencies in development of reading a defense, you give them half the field to, to manage. Because you know why? You have the advantage because you have the sideline. You're actually playing 12 versus 11. Because when in doubt, throw it out of bounds. You're throwing an out pattern, guy doesn't catch it, it goes out of bounds, it's incomplete. When you're in the middle of the field, it's a turnover. Okay? It's common sense. Just common sense. Here, let's put this into a funnel here now and make get to the point here. Come Monday night, they're going to do the same shit over and over again. And now you got Pete Carroll to deal with. You think that game's going to be a layup, you're out of your mind. They're fighting for their life, Seattle. They got way better coaches than you. You don't even want to take a look at their coaching staff. They got experience at every level. Remember something. You went and got your coordinator off of his staff, and he was a special assistant to the head coach. He wasn't even a position coach in Seattle. I want you to think about that for a second. You hired a coach off the Seattle staff that wasn't even a position coach and made him D coordinator. Think about that. This guy wasn't even elevated from a position coach. He was a special assistant to the coach, and he gave his opinion. He wasn't really coaching anybody. I thought about that last night. Well, he must have been the linebacker. No. He wasn't a position coach in Seattle last year. Birds goes, wow, I thought the D.C.? No, absolutely not. You you think Sean Desai was going to be the defensive coordinator in Seattle with (laughs) Carroll? That ain't happening. Pete don't hire people like that. He he doesn't hire guys with no experience as being a coordinator. Now, Desai had some background of being a coordinator in, I think, Chicago for a year, but that's not good enough for Carroll. Okay? Pete ain't hiring that. This guy was a specialist. Basically, he was an advisor. You hired an advisor to be your coordinator. Woo-hoo. Hey, okay, you know they do good hires in in Philadelphia. I guess. Did you ever question that? At least when you're gonna hire Vangio, this guy's got massive experience and quite a resume. You hired a guy who was um Pete's go-to guy, I guess, on a question. What do you think, Sean? Thanks. Okay, we'll take that into consideration. What do you what do you think here? Right, who's the D coordinator up there? He's been a, he's been there a bit with him. I think he oh, by the way, Gus Bradley and um Dan Quinn, what do, do, do you think those guys all were? They were at the Legion of Boom. Dan Quinn, Pete Carroll, and Gus Bradley all were the people that made the Legion of Boom in Seattle. They were all on the same coaching staff, those guys here. And, yeah, I mean, what would you expect? that Dan Quinn – Took a team to a Super Bowl. Some of you go, well, he's not a very good head coach. <laughs> okay, well, he did the same thing your boy did. He coached a team to the Super Bowl, the Atlanta Falcons. Lost the uh, lost elite. I get it. I never said he was a great coach. You say your guy is. Who is the head foot? Who is the defensive coordinator, Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, that's right. It's Clint Hurt. It Clint Hurt's a heck of a coordinator, man. I like him. I don't really think they're great though, because they still need some help in the personnel. They need more, more, more help. Hey, Big Pickens right? Dan Quinn is why Dallas is competing. Yeah, he took over for uh, Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan didn't know what to do with that defense. Dan Quinn goes in there and turns that. Look at what he's done in two years. He's turned the Cowboy defense into a championship defense. And MG two. Okay, MG2 goes, Clint Hurt is trash. What's Sean Desai? MG2. Okay, I'll agree. Clint Hurt is trash. What's Sean Desai? MG2, I'm talking to you. What's Sean Desai if Clint Hurt is trash? What, what's, 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 what's Desai? He's trash too. Fair enough. <laughs> Touche. Uh. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Now we're going to do something here that is going to make you feel better, I hope. And this may be Dr. Sills here to the rescue for therapy. For some of you. Eagles currently three three and one versus head coaches with Super Bowl wins. Hey Latino Inferno, you ain't going to Super Bowl this year. You're not getting to the NFC title game this year. Book it. You're not. You don't have a good enough team. You don't have a good enough team. Okay. You don't have a good enough team. Yeah, you're one and done. Yeah, you know it's over. Not happening. I have not seen one thing that makes me have confidence that you can. And you know what's crazy? Let me let, let me let me really say that. Do I think the Philadelphia Eagles still have a shot? Yes. Why? They've beaten some good teams. There's still the war of attrition with four games. Can things change? Shit, things have changed in two weeks. You went from the one seed to a wild card team. Yes. I'm going to back up on that. I'm going to back up on that because I still think there's a lot of football left. Okay. I'm going to back up on that. I will. I'll back up on that. I know better because this thing could change in two weeks again and Eagles could look like the best team in the league or could they? So I will. San Francisco loses one guy. That thing's a, that thing's a question mark. That's, here's my, watch this. Would you not agree with me that here are the question marks on the three teams? If San Francisco gets an injury, who are they? Dallas, do you trust them? Still, You want to hear something? And I mean this with all my heart. I don't think they're beating Buffalo this week. I do not believe the Cowboys are beating Buffalo. I don't think there's a chance in hell they go up there and win. Not a chance. Not a chance. No way. Buffalo's going to win that game. They're going to win that game. Okay? I still think they win that thing. All right. And the Eagles, do they have a good enough defense? And can they get any kind of continuity going on offense? You know what really sucks about the Eagles? We're not even talking about personnel. You know what we're talking about with the Philadelphia Eagles? Getting your shit together. The Eagles haven't got their shit together all year. Take that into a conversation for a second. You're talking about confidence with the Cowboys. Can they go and run through the tape? And can they win and continue to win against good teams and be good teams? Niners, there's always a health issue with them. Eagles, this year it's getting their shit together. Can you get your shit together? Player confidence is very shaky in Philly. Player, get this. This is the really self-inflicted conversation that you have about your Eagles. You want to hear this? Their issues are within. Okay? Not exterior. There's personnel issues on defense. We see that. But the ego problems are within. It's internal. That's the worst you can have. That's the worst kind of obstacle you can have is internal conflict. And I mean by conflict, play calling, design, approach, technique. That's internal sabotage almost. I mean, the Eagles have to be more concerned about what they're doing than who they're playing. Now, look, San Francisco and – and can I tell you this? I think that all kind of came to a head versus the Niners. And what I really think – can I tell you – and I mean this with all my heart. I think that 49er loss – I think that 49er loss cost you the Cowboy game that's why people keep doing this. Why the poor effort? Because you know what? I think the football team and the coaching staff were shocked. And it carried over on how they approached, performed, coached, prepared. I think it carried over. And I, you know, hey, that's right, Cody. Hey, if if winning becomes contagious... You can lose and have that thing carry over. I see it all the time. Momentum is ups and downs. And remember, in the NFL, you don't have a lot of time. Shit, the fan base, Tone, Rob, all those guys last week in Cowboy Week, they didn't get over that shit until Thursday. And Not him. Everybody in Philly, I'm talking the, the whip, the Inquirer, national media. They were still talking about the Niner ass beating. That didn't feel like a cowboy game last week. It's because that ass beating carried over. You know how it carried over? An approach. Because what happens is, got to remember something about professional athletes. They're the most insecure people on the planet. And when things have been going so well for Philly for two and a half years and you started feeling things kind of unraveling like a tidal wave and when the tsunami hit in Philly against San Fran, it washed away all of your confidence. And it carried over until the cowboy game i mean it you never let one loss and remember what i told you what the record was teams that played the niners the following week were 1 in 26 because of the physicality they put on you 1 in 26 that's a thing that that's not that's a thing. okay? So here's the second topic. Are the eagles issues long lasting or short-term? Are they long-lasting, or are they short-term? Long-lasting. Long-lasting. If we lose this game, it's likely long-lasting. Possibly short-term. Devin, that's not the conviction I'm looking for. Here on our show, Devin, don't straddle the fence on your answers. Peter, that's straddling the fence. Depends on the coaches? No. Answer the question. Is this long-lasting or short-term? The issues with the team. You can't fix coaching in four weeks. Short term, long term with loss. I don't know until we try going back to running the. And that's not happening. They're not going to install RPOs in week 15. Stop with that. Fun fact Dallas hasn't lost two straight games in over two years and won a road game after losing to San Francisco. Panic button if we lose Monday. Ends Monday, short term, how we will fix this. You mean like he did this year? Hey, hey, Tony. If Howie Rosemar was the executive of the year a year ago, he's the executive failure of the year this year. in a variety of reasons. For the A plus year he had a year ago, F in 23. Wait, D minus because of Carter. We, we we, had a good year for a... Yes! Yes! But another meaningless year. LJ is shook. He needs to accept the tsunamis here. No, no. Always remember something, Shooter. LJ just likes to argue. There's nothing really behind it. He just likes to argue. It's okay. He, he argues and insults. Don't worry, I got a whole family of him. You put him at the little kitty table with the sippy cup and the mac and cheese, and you give him a little piece of ham. You put a little hat on him, and it's all good. And then you go over to the grown-up table, and you sit down, and everybody has their dinner. You got to go over to LJ every now and then, and you got to kind of give him one of those Twizzer things, and they, or, or Bink, and so don't worry, it's, it's all good. So remember that shooter. That's how you treat LJ. Just remember, he sits at the little kitty table. That's okay, I know how to handle him. He's easy, not, not too hard. <laughs> it's all good. Here's my take on this. This is a long-lasting problem that I've been chronicling since week two when everybody was waving banners and how great the team is. And Seth has been really, but you know what Seth got caught up in? He got caught up in going over to IP doing our post game show and everyone saying like LJ, the record, the record, the record. And Seth knows better weekly matchups have nothing to do with the record. They have everything to do with matchups. Like I pointed out to you, I I love how everyone goes, hey, you know, we're going to kill Seattle. Why? you got a worse defense than Seattle's mediocre offense. You think you're stopping them? Why would you think that? Because you're the Eagles? <laughs> Give me a break. No, because our offense is going to put the RPO back in. No, they're not. Dude, you are who you are right now. I I, I think the number one thing that the problem that you have with folks following the team now, you don't want to accept their identity. They don't have one. You you don't want to accept who they are. They're a 10-3 team going nowhere. Right now. Now, here, hear me out. You have four games left. What could change in that? Everything. But you got to get your shit together first. You gotta get your shit together. Here. If it's Monday a seminal moment for Nick Sirianni as a head coach, do you think? Hey, wait a minute. Is 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 Drew Locke playing on Monday night? Is he playing Monday night? Is it Drew Locke? Oh, my God, I hope it is. To be determined, probably so then. Don't lose to a backup. Because then you got major problems. From the top down. Here's going to be my take to you. This thing's long-lasting. And if that Seattle team beats you with Drew Locke or even Geno Smith, with a mediocre football team and you walk up there where you don't win a lot and you get beat, that's a seminal moment for Jalen Hurts. See, Jalen and Nick are tied at the hip. You know, it, it, it behind the scenes, it's Howie. You see, Howie's pretty slick. When they gave that contract to Wentz, they tied Wentz and Doug at the hip. So Howie's tying Nick and Jalen at the hip. But it's really Howie that's tied to Jalen. He's the one that gave him the money. It wasn't Nick that gave him the money. It wasn't Doug that gave Wentz the money. It was Howie and Jeffrey Lurie that gave the money. Remember that. Doug didn't give him that dough. Nick didn't give Jalen that dough. That's why those coaches are expendable. This is seminal moment Monday. Can I tell you what this feels like? I'll tell you this: I don't know if I've ever felt this way about a. Ten- I've never felt worse about a ten and three team in NFL history, or me covering the league. I've never felt worse about a ten and three team than this thing. It is a very unhappy ten and three. Is that fair? Shit, I look at the eight and five Chiefs and go, well, they're underachieving. I look at the 10 and three Eagles and go, what's their problem? What's your problem? Super Bowl hangover? Okay, I guess that's a thing. Reaching, Dan, we're just injured. It happens. You're injured? No, your faith in Dean was a disaster. Your three cut linebackers you have are disasters. Hey, when you're telling me that Zach Cunningham has been a pleasant surprise, you're really, you, you're really aiming, you're pre, aiming pretty low right now. When you tell me Zach Cunningham is your best performer at linebacker, I don't, <laughs> okay. And then I look at San Francisco's backers. You might want to shoot a little higher. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, Zach Cunningham has been good. Hoss, he's not – he's nowhere in the league of Greenlaw. Greenlaw's a really good player. He's a tone setter. Okay. LJ, yeah, you beat the Chiefs. I just said they're underachieving. Great congratulations. And the Jets beat you. Isn't that crazy? And you were murdered. Jets beat you and murdered in 8 quarters. How was it, Hey, how would you like to know have this on your schedule? Well, the Cowboys, they got beat by Arizona and the Eagles, out of eight quarters, played seven non-competitive quarters against the two leading contenders to win the NFC. Which one would you rather have? And one of those were the Cowboys that made you have four quarters of non-competitive football. Who covers DK Metcalf? What's the other guy's name? Tyler Lockett? Who's covering them guys? Do they have... Please tell me they don't have a tight end. Okay? When you play against Seattle... On Monday night. Who's covering those two wideouts? Thank God. Big play, Slay? He's your only option, probably. I think Metcalf eats him up. Gino has time to throw the ball. By the way, that's another thing we looked at. Your pass rush this year? Is his? Ba- I mean, defensively, you are the worst defensive football team at getting home on third down. You're the worst, which means what? High percentage throws for opposing quarterbacks with wide open windows. The thing that I told you, what what was the game plan? Somebody gave me. I talked to Dave. Wants that. Here, I asked him how you beat the Eagle defense, and this is what he said. Um, The pass defense is the first thing you go after so you don't open up a game plan running the ball against them. You're immediately going to throw, because why? They're going to give you passing lanes. Get this. You don't make an opposing offense work for anything when it comes to the passing game. Why would I have to work at running the ball when that's the only thing you're decent at? I'm going to attack the weakest link on your team. You give wide open passing lanes, quick catches, 10-yard passes. You play so far off the ball. You can make average wideouts look better. And that's a fundamental thought process that's not changed in two and a half years, and it's not going to change Monday night. All of a sudden you think you're going to start playing press coverage against Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? You're not. And when you're not getting home. Remember I said this earlier in the year, the volume of pressure is so dramatically down. I got to tell you, the only guy that's really here, you know, can I tell you who the MVP of your football team is this year? There's two dudes. It's Brown and Reddick. Reddick's on pace for 14 and a half sacks, and you'd never know it. 14 and a half sacks. Did I write that down? So wait a minute. He's on pace for 14 and a half sacks. He had 16 last year. You got a guy that's got 30 sacks in two years, and your defense is worse this year? He's going to have 30 sacks in two years of play. That's phenomenal. That's that's all pro. It's insanity. But look at the guys behind him. Sweats on pace for eight and a half. Carter five and a half. Davis three and a half. Last year you had five guys with 10 plus sacks. Not even remotely close. So when you got the volume of pressure down, the volume of getting home down, and you play the style of football. What is the cord- offensive coordinator going to do? Their, their pass rush is tired. They're not getting home. They don't have depth. Here, it, it's so – here. I could close my eyes. What are you, you going to do? I'm going to run at Reddick all game because he's, mo- no, he's played the majority of the snaps. No, I'm going to run at – excuse me, sweat because he's played the majority of the snaps. And I can run at both of them now because they both can't tackle. So you're weak at your perimeter. You can't set the edge any longer. Okay? Now, here's the key. You have played against two of the best offensive tackles, left tackles, in the game the last two weeks. Does Seattle have the same personnel? No. This is why this is a seminal game. You can't get pushed around by Seattle. You get pushed around by Seattle, You get out-coached by Seattle, Seattle outplays you, you got a long-lasting problem on your football team that will result in carrying over to the 2024 season. Because what will happen is you still got deficiencies on that side of the ball, and you're going to play a tougher schedule. You're going to be in the same shit you were, but more predictable. This is a real big moment Monday. This is a big moment Monday. You know know what this kind of reminds me of a bit? It's kind of like when your 2017 team won the Super Bowl, you came back the following year, and it was kind of like underwhelming. Here, here's the the other one. I'm going to throw quick passes at you on Monday. Absolutely. I'm going to do crossing routes because your backers can't handle it. And I'm going to do a ton of crossing routes with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Here's why Tyler Lockett. How many people think that A.J. Brown, and you're going against Pete Carroll, and you're going against a defensive-minded guy who doesn't have – Pete Carroll doesn't have the personnel, but neither did Washington. This is going to be like the Washington game on Monday. You understand this. This is going to be like Washington. They didn't have the personnel either. They didn't have the personnel to hang with you. They had one wide out, kind of two with Dotson. Okay, they, they kind of had a decent back. Offensive line was horrible. The kid was on pace to have 90 sacks this year. Sam Howell. This is going to be a lot like the Washington game. And you had Ron Rivera, and then you had Jack Del Rio. You got Pete Carroll. He knows this. He knows this. Okay? They're going to run crossing routes, quick slants, and let me ask you to, I'm here, let me go here. How many people think A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith are better than Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf? I heard everybody from the Fanatic to our channel to IP, choir all say that they think the Eagles have the advantage there. How many people think you have the better, the better players there? I'll show you how dumb this is. For sure, Mike says. Tone says, the Eagles have the better, or Seahawks have the better room. The Eagles have the two great wideouts. Here's why Seattle's better. Seattle will have more impact with their wideouts because your defense is worse than theirs. That's the matchup. You're not going to, hey, you're not going to be able to cover those guys. So you're going to see better games from those guys. This is all going to come down to who's playing quarterback and who's healthy at that position for Seattle. If Geno finds any rhythm, they're going to beat you Monday night. Because you can't stop them. You have to understand something, folks, and I I, I want you to come to a reality here. Nothing's going to change Monday. There's nothing that will change. Nothing's changing. The environment around the league is the only thing that's going to change. Injuries. You're now in the part of the league and in the season where the war of attrition is going to come down to determining who's going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody's identity is set. Whether you have one or not, get ready. We're here. You're running out of lane. This is who you are. The only thing that will change around you is the environment. Nothing else is going to change. So wait a minute. You want to know the first sign of having um, panic in the Eagle Room? All of a sudden, we watched them do a ton of jet sweeps, and they start throwing that into the mix on Monday night, creating more opportunity for more people to put the ball on the carpet, which they've been horrific at. Also, Seattle has a really good Ricky Whiteout. I know I, I he is. Now, again, it's going to come down to the health. You can't start adding shit heading into week 15 with three games or four games, three games after Monday night. You're going to start adding new components? That's a sign of panic also. Dude, the only guy who is going to save this and put this team – how about this? Not save it so much. Put the team back on the rails. Seattle's a team you should put it on the rails. You're better than them. I don't know if you're internally better right now. I think they need to simplify things and go back to the basics, right? Shit, man, I'd find a seven plays Jalen loves to run the most, and you can beat them with that. Hey, you know what's crazy? Do you remember, what was the game that Lane was doing this? What was that game where he just said, and you ran the ball like a hundred million times. Was it the Viking game that he did that in? Let's just keep running that bitch. Keep running it. Keep running it. Keep running it. Was that the Viking game he did that in? Okay. And what happened with the Vikings? They couldn't stop it. That's what you need to do Monday night. Five plays get it to AJ get the yacht yards going again make Swift part of something let me show you something on Swift now I don't I think these numbers are right I think last year Miles Sanders had 233 carries also I think it's really weird maybe I'm wrong tone but I think like um Sanders had something like maybe 265. 235 something like that switch on pace with 233 carries 1075 basically 1100 yards four six a carry 46 catches why are you using him what, what's you didn't use him at all last game against dallas why You got an 1100 yard back with almost five yards of carry, and you're not using him? Why? Why doesn't somebody at that press conference ask Nick Sirianni, you got a running back who's got one of the higher averages in the league? He's not like he's doing 3 9 a carry, which isn't horrible. He's doing 4 6 a carry. He's got almost 50 catches, or he's on pace for 50 catches. He's on pace for 1,100 yards, and you're not using him. If I'm DeAndre Swift, I would never want to come back to Philly. Well, what do you have to worry about that anyway? They're not going to pay him. So here, I'll tell you flat out. Here, DeAndre Swift is going to be in Buffalo. Guy's going to get eleven hundred yards, four six a carry. He catches the ball well, dude. This guy's going to have a hot market, and there's, he's in a he's in a contract year. Like Miles was. The difference is he can do more than Miles. My problem is the two hundred seventy-five yards rounded. That means he's only doing five, eight a catch, which means they're decoys. Those are not productive catches, is my point. That's not a productive. Those aren't productive. Look at Christian McCaffrey's numbers. That's production. Those catches are kind of like, like I said, they're decoys to get the ball. Defensive coordinators know this now. Swift's a decoy in the passing game. To some extent, so is Goddard. That's why he bitched earlier, I'm disappointed in my role in the offensive passing game. Right? Those were his words. These other guys, So if you're a coordinator, this is how I look at the Eagle offense. I'm putting a game plan together, okay? I know that they're going to Goddard. I mean, I know that they're going. Isn't it funny? Every time they get Goddard and Swift established, the offense looks better. Because you know why? You're going off trend and tendencies. Just like Mike McCarthy did last Sunday. You never go off tendencies. They stick to their guns, man. And it's to detriment. RPOs, wheel routes with Swift, AJ and Smith, slants, run. Yeah, you sound like the 22 offense there, Q. Q, you want to hear something too? Kenny Gainwell and Swift had no targets in the Cowboy game. And he's still on pace for 50 catches. I don't get it. I, I I don't get it. Oh wait, I do get it. I'm answering my own question, like I tell Tone. I I, I do get it. I do. Now check this out. AJ Brown is going to be the first wide receiver. In Philadelphia Eagle history with 100 catches. He's going to end up with 118, somewhere in there. 16-45, nine touchdowns, 14 yards play. Fantastic season. Devontae, 90 catches. eleven eight TDs, 13. You go to Goddard, 55 catches, missed a ton of games. Again, 575 and three. By the way, I'm done with Goddard too. I'm done with guys who miss 25 or 26 percent of their season. Come on, dude. You gotta be healthier, man. I'd put, I'd rather play with a lesser guy, like Jake Ferguson, who's going to be there week to week, than a guy who's going to miss four critical games, and maybe miss a Cowboy game or a 49er game, that could cost me home field. As good as Goddard is. He is not as reliable as Zach Ertz was. And I I personally think I'd rather have Goddard. But it comes to a point when availability also has to be part of the conversation. You see, this is not like college. You pay a guy and his availability. Where is he? You start there. He's in the league because he's great already. You don't start with, well, that player's better. No, is he available? That's why Penny doesn't play. Penny's better than Gainwell, but he's not reliable. Can't block in the passing game, and he's always hurt. That's why, and you know why he's on the Eagle team? To keep him away from Dallas and San Francisco. That's why he's not there. He's on the roster for one reason, to keep him away from other folks. There's no other explanation. And there's no such thing as, well, I'm going to bring him out when it's sunshine. And we're going to bring him out in the NFC tie. That's So all of a sudden, you're not going to play a guy all year. You're going to activate him for the playoffs. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Chills. he broke his arm. Philly, he's missed games every year he's been in the league. He's missed 25% of his football. His entire career. Hey, you're right. It's a forearm. Year before that, what was it? Shoulder? Year before that, what was it? Knee? Year before that. Jesus, grimy guy. He's injury prone. You can't build a solid offense around people who are sporadically in your game plan. You you can't. You can't build a sales team when a guy decides to show up to work and not show up to work or he's not there, he's not available. You can't run a network when a host decides to show up when he feels like it. Sometimes he doesn't. Anything. You have to have people show up to work. Maddox is another one. Done with him. You need to move off that guy. He's a good player, Sales. Stop telling me that. Stop telling me Avante Maddox is a good ball player when I, don't, I never see him. Stop that. Seriously, stop that. He's a good player. I don't care. That's a theory. That's not an actuality. Man, you guys, this guy's good. I'm promising you. How is he good when he never plays? Got to be available. This isn't college football. You got 100 guys. I'll tell you something about um, Sirianni. I'm gonna make a comparison to you. You think Sirianni's more like Doug, Andy Reed, or Chip Kelly? If you had to make a comparison, who would you who would who would you say he's closer to being? Doug? Andy or chip. None of the above he's beneath even chip. No, he's no, no, he's not. He's closer to Doug, but I still, I I still don't even like the comparison. It's closer to Doug. I don't see that at all. I think he's closer to chip with a better bed bedside manner. Refusing to move off of tendencies, the predictability after the first couple of years of winning teams caught up with the Eagles. The only thing that in my opinion, that Sirianni does better than chip, he's got a better bedside manner and he knows how to handle Howie or deal with Howie. That's it. I, I, I would never put him in Doug Peterson's category. Doug's a true players coach, and he's also a play caller, and he puts quality people around him. Okay? I mean, he's turning Jacksonville around. Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Okay? Just saying here. How many, I mean, first two years with Chip, what were, what were his records? Just, just asking, What was Chip Kelly's first two years um, with the Eagles? Well what, what, what was his first two years? What we? In reality, he isn't like any of them. All of them are tremendously different. Okay? What were the first two years with Chip? 10 and six? So he was 20 and 12? His first two years, regular season. He didn't have an 11 and 5 year in there somewhere. I thought he had an 11 and 5 year. I may have been wrong. Okay, so he was 20 and 12. Okay. He was 20 and 12. Let me ask you something here. Did you have a problem with him then, Chip Kelly? Did you think you had a good coach first two years in the league with Chip? Or did you guys flip-flop on him too? It's okay. I'm not ripping you for it. Just asking you. Did you think you had a good coach when he was 20 and 12? Or are you going to lie and deny, not say you thought you had a good coach? I never liked the guy. I did not like his philosophy. So when he was 20 and 12, people in Philly hated him. Tone hated him. Had success. And it caught up with him. It's a guy that was 20 and 12. Looked like the right hire. Third year. The predictability came in with Chip. He's very predictable. He's predictable at UCLA. Ever watch his teams? They're very predictable. Very predictable. By the way, I'm not telling you that Chip's better than Nick. Because personally, I think Chip Kelly, he's a college coach. He ain't no NFL guy. And I, I would play for Sirianni over that guy any day, any night. Not saying that at all. I'm just saying... The difference that you have here with Kelly is is that what destroyed him was his bedside manner and the fact that he had too much. You never give a head football coach. It's never been a head football coach in the NFL total autonomy. That's an Eagle screw up. The owner of the Eagle screwed that up. Why would you give a college coach full say because you thought you were trying to find Pete Carroll and Jimmy Johnson again? Hey, man, that doesn't always work. The reason that Jimmy Johnson and Pete Carroll, why do you think they had the advantage over teams early in their coaching careers? Because they had recruited every kid from the first round to the seventh round, back then to the 12th round with Jimmy to come play at Miami or come play at Southern Cal. Pete Carroll, that's why he knew Cam Chancellor. He knew Richard Sherman. He knew all these guys that you could take in latter rounds but the only deficiency because the NFL draft is flawed if you're not 64 you're not going in the first round usually those coaches knew that and some of them sometimes they missed out on them that's why Carol and Jimmy both won national titles and super bowls they had the advantage and the eagles thought they were going to duplicate that difference was is that chip kelly was Covered by the fact that Phil Knight and Nike can make any coach look good up there. Everybody looks good because of the resources. That's what made that. And he never won a a national title. They were snowed by that. And they were thinking they were going to get the same result that they got in Southern Cal in Seattle, Miami, and Dallas with Jimmy Johnson and Pete Carroll that's why they were looking at Lincoln Riley they were looking at Lincoln Riley because he can move the ball and he's recruited the majority of these kids problem is Lincoln Riley's never had a defense to save his life whether it was at Oklahoma or now it's Southern Cal he's the most overrated coach in the country I see where they go all right let me make let me take a time out here Hey, don't forget, during this holiday time, our great friends at Hooters, man, want you to get those uh, Santa bucks, great stocking stuffers, five buck gift cards. The Hooter calendars are out. Got $100 in coupons in it. You can also go to the website when it comes to just going and getting the food, bringing it back to your home at hooterstogo.com. Also, right now we're giving away an opportunity for you to, Qualify for a chance to win yourself some merchandise and some tickets and some gift certificates. All you have to do is see that code word that tone is thrown out. You email us at dancellioshow at gmail.com and you'll hear your name called on a football Monday. So good luck to you guys there. Don't forget also, hey, seafood Sundays, half price, snow crabs, buffalo shrimp, happy hours, Monday through Friday, six items, six bucks. That's northeasttutors.com, northeasttutors.com. We're going to talk to our friend Tone here in a couple minutes for the segment. Don't forget Jason Cole at 430. We will talk with him. I think Eric Allen is getting some run for the Hall of Fame. I'll explain. We'll do all that. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
4: Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, shop, have a beer, Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard, give your friends a Hooters gift card.
1: This year, stuff their stockings and yours too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card, and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near,
4: gift cards are here, good at Hooters everywhere now, Hooters gifts are always favored.
2: Any professional sports coach will tell you, there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog
0: Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money
5: G-L-E-S Eagles Very proud of this.
3: Very proud of this here. I've just been asked to be part of a committee. It's for the Advancement of Blacks in Sports, a nonprofit organization with a mission to boldly advocate for the culture of equality, inclusion, that results in the advancement of racial and economic and social justice for blacks in sports. Today, we are releasing our 2024 Black Coaches Watch List. A list of all nominated coaches can be found here. I wanna make it very clear that we invite you to pick from this list and we pray, and we hope that we can get Charles, Gary Charles founder and CEO on for the advancement of blacks in sports. Um, very proud of that. I've been an advocate of that for over 30 years. Got 137 Division I college football programs, and you got seven black coaches. It's an atrocity. Chip Kelly, two and four with Winers, certified stud. Mm. Congratulations. You can Google LJ and type. <laughs> um, I want to show you something here. Um, When it comes to how the NFL has rigged the game, how many people believe that the National Football League has rigged the game? How many people believe that um, they have rigged the game? Warrior goes, I'm starting to believe it. Let me read you a quote from a player about a meeting with the commissioner of the National Football League. Then you tell me when you see games called. NFL commissioner told Kareem Jackson in a meeting recently, and he's of the Broncos who has been suspended, you have to protect the offensive players. He fired back at the commissioner. I'm not sure how. And then he asked the commissioner, so it's the defensive players' responsibility to protect the offensive players? They're in a nutshell. What you're doing is, you're saying one side of the football is more important than the other side. And they're going to look out and call more plays and penalties. No wonder Andy Reid and Mahomes went nuts. Because the mentality in the NFL is, give the offense everything they want. The commissioner just said it to a player who was suspended. See, they're not pissed off he was offsides. sides. They're pissed off they didn't overlook it because they overlook everything else in games. Damn, dude. You got the commissioner of the NFL telling a defensive football player he's less valued than a wideout in the NFL. And it's his responsibility to look out for his safety. I've never heard that. I've never heard that Referees today in the NFL are looking out more so for the safety of the offensive players than the defensive players. Man, that's criminal. Where's the NFL player when you when you need them? That's absolutely egregious. That you would put one one side of the ball with more value over the other side, coming off a Super Bowl. Takes its toll on a team. It sure has. Look, look, look at look at the Chiefs. That's a lot of physicality that most teams never see. Birds Super Bowl hangover is real, and still believe and love this team. Go Birds. I, I I said this yesterday also. I think it's remarkable they're ten and three, and what they're attempting. I really do. I think I I think it's remarkable. Okay. And Forte goes to then why no flag when Dallas hit Jalen after he said, because they don't know how to legislate RPO quarterbacks. They never did with Cam, they don't with Lamar. And to me, um, if that was Brady running out of bounds, and you could take this wherever you want, if that was Brady running out of bounds, Brady could have been two yards in bounds. And if a guy would have declined him, that would have been a 15 yard penalty. Jalen could have one foot out of bounds and nothing will be called. And you can tie in anything you want from that. There's numerous ways you can go. And you pick one. And guess what? I don't have a problem with any one you pick, okay, in that conversation. I wouldn't have a problem with any lane you took in that. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Okay? Uh, Mike, right? How about Michael Vick used to go out of bounds? I used to kick the shit out of him. Shit, I saw last year, what was it, the Carolina game? A guy sacked Tom Brady, and he got called for um, quarterback, roughing the passer. They took the penalty, they scored a touchdown, and it kept their hopes alive for winning the NFC South. You think Jalen gets that call? Not happening. (laughs) I hate having to sometimes be politically correct. I really do. It really, it really makes my stomach turn. But we live in a different society today. And I'm and get this. I guess I'm being Clark Ken here. If you guys want to put that out there like that. All right. I look forward to this. It's our segment with our friend Tone. He joins us now here on the National Ball Show. Tone, appreciate you coming aboard, my friend.
6: As always, sir, it's always a good time.
3: How are you feeling now? Um, You know,
6: day by day. Uh, reality is um, nothing is given when it comes to this Philadelphia Eagles team as of December 14th on, on a Thursday at 2.30 Central Time. I'm not um, locking them into anything except for the training room and the film room. So... Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm going into the Seattle game with the utmost confidence. Um, Do I think they're going to win the game? Yeah. But at the same time, am I completely completely sold on their performance as of late, which gives me confidence? No. But I think they should win the game. They should. But will they? It all remains to be seen at this point. I'm on a week-to-week basis with this Philadelphia Eagles team for the reasons we've all laid out for the past several days. Defense is lackluster. As a matter of fact, defense is putrid. Defense is terrible offense has no identity they have a hard time sustaining drives they have a hard time deciding what kind of team they want to be they have a hard time maximizing the skill set of their quarterback um you know it's it's just how can i sit here unequivocally and just say without a shadow of a doubt i believe the philadelphia eagles are still super bowl contenders how can i do that
3: is this a long-lasting issue or a short-term issue with the eagles
6: If I had to choose between the two and give you a straightforward answer, um, I would have to say long-lasting because the problems, again, they aren't... See, injuries are temporary. You can heal from an injury, right? But you can't really heal from someone's beliefs and how they look at the game of football. People are who they are, right? Nick Sirianni is who he is. Brian Johnson is who he is. Harry Roseman is who he is. Sean Desai is who he is. And they have... And, and, and their fingerprints are all over this Philadelphia Eagles team, right? The only person um that I have any confidence in is Jalen Hurts. Like I said, I think he has to be phenomenal. And you know, he's in a situation where um his coaches are really going to have to take a look in the mirror and find out who they want to be and what their approach is going to be. I don't have too much trust in the coaching staff as as it stands today. Therefore, to me, um their issues are longer lasting because they stem from things that they can control, but they won't change.
3: I want to throw this at you here then. Then why do you think that there's going to be some sort of epiphany on Monday when, Tone, I think the problem that people have right now is this is who you are. You're nobody else. You're not going to get better. You're not going to get anything better. Jalen, like I said, and you and I, we're both on the same page with this, he's the only guy that can write the thing and put the thing back on the rails because it is Seattle. But when I hear people saying this, well, the defenses—I mean, the offense for Seattle—you know—they're kind of—they're mediocre all across the board. They're twentieth. Okay, well, you're twenty-second. Where do you think you have the advantage when you're playing against DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? Where's your where, where's your advantage against? A shitty. If you're gonna say Seattle is a less than impressive offense, well, where do you come off? And I'm not saying you. Where do people come off, just thinking that you have an advantage there?
6: Fans being fans, man.
3: Okay. And right. um, you know, you know, for right.
6: me, you know, for me, um, to, answer your, to, to answer your initial question, I have to remain hopeful. Right. I have to remain hopeful because I support this team with everything I have
3: hope is so, fleeting my friend like love
6: you see it's, you, you see the hope is fleeting now it's fleeting in real time so um again you know i i i have to believe that jalen hurts is going to put his foot down in such a way that makes them that that, that shows them listen the way we the way we've been doing things cannot continue we're too talented on the side of the ball we're too dynamic on the side of the ball the way we've been doing things is not sustainable. We had to throw some curveballs in here. We had to get back to the basics and lean on what we do well and maximize that to the best of its ability. So, you know, when I look at this team, it's like, okay, the Seattle Seahawks, do they have their fair share of deficiencies? Sure. Right. But am I confident enough in the Philadelphia Eagles defense to be able to stop the Seattle Seahawks offense? No, I'm not. Because here's here's what it comes down, here's what it comes down to, right? No matter who you are, no matter what talent you have on the side of the ball, no matter who your coach is, this is what it comes down to: Can you get off the field on third down? Can you hold teams to at least field goals? Right? Uh, You know, can you um, can you get to the quarterback right on third down? So far, the Philadelphia Eagles have not. Can you defend the pass? Can you defend the pass? Right? Did you know the Philadelphia Eagles are the worst team in terms of first in, in terms of First downs by way of the pass. <laughs> the Eagles yes, are giving I up. Do. The Eagles are giving up the most first downs via the pass. Can I
3: tell you? And that's hurt the run game.
6: And that's hurt the run game. It's hurt everything. It's hurt
3: the run defense.
6: Yeah, run defense. Excuse me. You know, you know, people put a lot of. You know, I understand the Eagles aren't putting up the most sacks on third down. I understand that. But here's my retort to that it's kind of hard to keep that motor running hot when you're the only damn mechanism in the machine that's working overtime. You know you're what I mean? Out. Like, like, they, like you're, you, you want them to stop the run. You also want them to be dominant in the pass in the pass rush. And then also you want them to essentially do the jobs of the linebackers. What as, see, football is a complimentary sport. The D line helps the linebackers. The linebackers helps the D line. D line helps the DBs. DBs help the linebackers. So on and so. It all supposed to work in concert. But what happens when the linebackers aren't helping anybody? What happens when the DBs aren't helping anybody? You're essentially playing defense with two arms behind, two arms tied behind your back, and you got one leg hopping. So again, people can say people can be hard on this defensive line. I'm not going to be hard on this defensive line. You want to know why? Because they had a reason that they even have any kind of life if they if there is life and hope. And hope. So I'm not I'm not gonna be the one to kill the defensive line. I refuse to be the one to kill the defensive line. We're gonna kill these linebackers. We're Shit going to kill the is on
3: pace for 16 and a half sacks. Right.
6: You know, just it's so funny. We we, we were just praising his defensive line all year. Now you know when it, you know when they get to a point in the season where okay, other guys, the, the the part of the team that we expected to actually kind of get a little bit better. They still suck. If, As a matter of fact, they probably got worse. They but the D-line, we're killing them because they're not getting sacks on third down. How about these dudes cover? Because here's the thing. The game plan for all these teams are, okay, we know the Eagles have a pass rush. What we're going to do is we're going to game plan to get the ball out of your hands in 2.5 seconds or less. Quick passes. We know they can't cover. So someone's going to be open. So how can someone sack a quarterback the moment the ball snapped?
3: The moment they get any kind of pressure, the ball's going. And get this, Tone. The other side, the offensive coordinators, you're so predictable. You know what they're gonna do because they don't change in anything that they do. If you're a coordinator going into that, they're not going off script. They're just not gonna go off
6: script. They have no trend busters, nothing. They have no they have, they have no blitz on the offensive side, they have no blitz beaters, no disguises, they have they have, they have, they have no trend busters. Right. And to me, that tells me how much they are leaning too far into analytics, because to me, instinct is where you implement trend busters. Right. OK, we've been doing this for several weeks. Teams. You, first of all, you're supposed to have a feel for that, too. Right? You got to run that by Coach Hallaby, though. Man. You're you're, you're supposed you're, <laughs> you're 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 supposed to feel when someone is getting close to figuring you out. Right. You ever um you, you, again, you played the D line. Right. And I'm pretty sure you had your two or three moves that you that was your go tos. I'm sure. Absolutely. But every now and again you come and then you get about maybe game four, game five, game six, maybe game seven. You come across a matchup where okay, he's catching on to this move. Okay, he's catching on the move number two. Okay, he's kind of catching move number three. I need to dig deep into my Rolodex and come up with a fourth move. The Eagles have been asleep at the wheel and coming up with the fourth move. You follow me? I got two. so
3: So again. They 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 have the Eagles have two gears two moves. So basically, you know what, what I mean? you're saying is they are playing with a half a deck of cards in a poker game.
6: Hey, listen, man, you said it. You said it loud and clear.
3: No aces in the deck. That's what they're playing with.
6: No jokers. No wild cards. Nothing. Nothing.
3: You're so you go into a game and you you're at a disadvantage.
6: The offense hasn't evolved since 2021. They're expecting the, the this is this is what's so irritating about this offense at times, right? You know, you ask them about the offensive identity and the approach and, you know, but they say, oh, you know, well, we you know, we expect our guys to win their matchups. <sighs> the game isn't that simple. Where if if whereas it's though, oh, oh, OK, OK, my guy is better than that guy. So he should just naturally win the matchup 100 percent of the time. No, because teams are going to adjust what you have to do, in my opinion. And look, I'm not a coach. I never played the game on that level. I don't know anything about football, damn. But it's
3: not that hard to see. But it's
6: not that hard. It's not that hard. Teams catch on. Teams catch on to your moves and your trends. What you have to do, find a find a unique way or a different way. It doesn't have to be ultra creative. Just a little different. A slight pivot. Find a new way Dude, a slight, to get your guy over.
3: A slight technique change. A slight, Changes a the slight whole dynamic. Banquet,
6: which tells me these coaches, and I'm going to keep saying it until I'm blue in the face, they have been riding the coattails of this talent. They have yes. Nick Siriani. They have been riding the coattails of this town. So now we're going to find out exactly who Nick Sirianni is on Monday night. We're going to find out who is the who who is the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles when you've been figured out. What's your counterpunch? What's your fourth move? We're going to find you think out.
3: This is a seminal moment for not only the coach, but the quarterback.
6: See, the funny thing is, Hurts has had a lot of similar moments. So it's almost like, you know, is this, is this anything new for but him? And now but... he's in
3: adversity tone. Now it's in that ad- he has not had a lot of adversity in his time in Philly. This, you know, sometimes your gauge, you know, I say this all the time about a guy like Mariano Rivera. There were so many massive victories mm-hmm. that you remember the losses more, like to the Diamondbacks and what have you, because mm-hmm. it's so set a bar for himself. Mm. These are the kind of moments you talk about, like that Dak is fighting nine years into his career, winning those big giant games, turning your ship around. Because like I said yesterday to you, Kyle Shanahan, three game losing streak, quarterback debacle at the beginning of the year. They've righted the ship. Coach has to right this ship. And here's, now Jalen probably has more equity than Nick and you know you said something interesting,
6: right? Um, you know, big games and big matchups, right? And how do you respond? Sometimes the big sometimes things, sometimes it can be a big game, but it's not even a big game because of who you're playing. It's a big game because of what you've been experiencing the past few games. Correct. And I think that's what this is. The Seahawks mean nothing to the Philadelphia Eagles. They mean nothing to me. But because of where they're placed on our schedule, because of what because of what the Philadelphia Eagles have been going through these past. Several weeks.
3: It's just as important as the Niners and Cowboy they're,
6: game. They're just as important as that Cowboys Niners game because of where they're placing the schedule, because of what's been going on the past several weeks. And again, this has been a buildup. But you finally came across a bigger bully on the block that exposed your flaws to the world on the national stage. So um, I'm not. So again, I think that I, I, I want the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game. I think they should win this game. Am I completely sold that they will? No. I'm not. How
3: about this, Tone? Do you think the issues with the Eagles are internal or external?
6: When I so so when I think of internal, right? I think of things you can control. When I think of external, I think of things you can't control. Okay. So I would say they're internal because that's really shitty. In my opinion, that's actually worse than dealing with injuries. Uh, that's right. That's shitty because it's self-inflicted wounds. I said it to you earlier. What makes the Philadelphia Eagles issue so scary to me, to me, what makes their issue so scary is the fact that everything that they're going through could have been prevented with, with more confidence at everyone's role, could have been handled if we didn't miscalculate certain things. As far as a player's value or what we think they can be, or not penny pinching. Um, it's just certain things that, that they're experiencing. I can't sit here and say, damn, you know, things just happen. Like Bradbury, right? Bradbury, damn, it just happened. I can't like I ain't got I ain't listen, it is what it is, right? I, I
3: would I would have signed him. I don't I would have signed him too. So longer. so
6: I'm not I'm not even killing the Eagles for signing Bradbury yep, back. That's absolutely. not that's, that's not even a bad move, nope. but what nope. I will kill you for. Is propping up Nicole Dean like he's your future when he hasn't shown you a damn thing. What I will kill you for is not evolving your offense since the year 2021. What I will kill you for is um, not addressing um, the depth of your cornerback position properly.
1: I was talking to Rob
6: earlier. I was talking to Rob earlier, right? They draft and look. We have ultimately Nolan Smith. I have to give him an incomplete because I don't know what he is but I know what Joey Porter is and Joey Porter was drafted two picks later than Nolan Smith now yeah, what is do it... you
3: have what do you have in Pittsburgh you have Mike Tomlin that's true too that's true too <laughs> I mean Mike Tomlin is a protege of Dungy. if you get drafted defensively In Pittsburgh, you're gonna have a solid career. The issues in Pittsburgh. I mean something look, you may have issues offensively in Pittsburgh, but you don't have any issues defensively because that's his side of the ball. And by the way, Big Ben, shut the fuck up. You're taking (laughs) a shot at Mike Tomlin because you missed the game, because you and him didn't have that great a relationship in the end. Mike Tomlin is the reason they're winning. Okay. Exactly. This guy, Baby Roethlisberger, is such a pussy. I can't believe it. I hate that guy. Oh okay. God. I mean, you taking a shot at Mike Tomlin is obnoxious, but you see, he misses the game a see, lot.
6: He he misses the game a lot.
3: You know what? The, you do you know what Mike Tomlin and the Steelers did? That was a mistake.
6: They held on to him they too. Held
3: long. on to him too long. They
6: should have got rid of him sooner. I've been saying that for a while, but you know, he's Big Ben. You know, okay.
3: I want to go here. Sorry, Aunt Betty. I apologize. There. <laughs> let me let me go here. I want you to help me here on this one. Let's do it. You think Jalen Hurts is regressing as a passer? Here, let me let me let me expand. So Dak Prescott targeted eight wide receivers. This past Sunday. Right. Jalen targeted three. Now, again, Devontae Smith, AJ Brown, I kind of get it. But Quez Watkins, Julio Jones, Zacchaeus had 52 snaps and zero targets. Yeah. The two backup tight ends had zero targets. Gainwell and Swift had zero targets. I mean, if I'm a coordinator, tone. I mean, I really don't have to really go out and into my, you know, coordinating bag too much, right. To see what they're doing when it comes to getting the ball to those guys on Sunday. No,
6: I I I completely understand. Um,
3: now, is it the coaches if, that aren't? Because we said this the other day. I do think they're getting better, but look at this. You got. You're basically and you target. What was what was Goddard's targets for?
6: Yeah, right. So something like that. Yeah. Um, but to you, you know, to your point, right? Do I think he's regressing? I think. You know, the coaches it's can su- regress it, him. It, 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 it's right. It's such a loaded question because when I look at his completion percentage, when I look like even though he's turning the ball over a little bit more, right? Even though he's turning the ball over actually a lot more, um, I look at the I look at the completion percentage. I look at the attempts, and I'm saying to myself, "Okay, he's still just as accurate as last year, even though he's throwing the ball more." He's he, last year he completed 66.5 percent of his passes. Currently, this year he's completing 66.5 percent of his passes. So he's just as accurate with more attempts. So I don't think his accuracy has diminished. I think his, I think his instinct and timing has taken a step back. I don't think he's trusting what he's saying out there, so I, th- I think I brought this up to you before. Um, Jalen Hurts this year, you know the, what we keep hearing is that they're throwing newer defenses at him or defenses he hasn't seen before. Let's put it that way: not new, but something he hasn't seen. What they're saying is he's seen defenses that he hasn't necessarily seen before, right? And it's kind of forcing him to hesitate. But when you look at the when you look at the play by play or when you look at the uh, all twenty two you're seeing throws that are there to be made and he's looking in a direction, but he won't pull the trigger. Now, why is that? I need to know why that is, is the, that why, why the hesitancy, why the apprehension and in, in what you're seeing?
3: Well, when you have apprehension, that means you haven't had a lot of reps or you haven't seen it or you haven't done it. Right. right. I mean, I mean, look, When you're you're apprehensive on something, especially something that has to have that kind of intel and processing and that quick of processing, when you're back there for three or four seconds, that's why it's getting closer to five seconds now, is because he's not processing what he's seeing. Now, is that his drop? Does he get back into it? Remember something. I'll tell you what Bill Walsh told me about developing of Montana. One of the greatest things, and I said, man, Montana, he just throws to great. He goes, so you look at his arm. And I go, yeah. He goes, never look at a quarterback's arm. Look at his feet. Look at his feet. How fast does he get back to his seven step? Because once he gets back to his seven step, the quicker you get back instead of floating back, that used to be Vinny Testaverde's problem. He would float back to a seven. And by the time he got back there, he didn't have enough time to process the intel that he would see. And early in his career, he would just float back there because he's a 6'5 guy. Montana would get back there as quick as possible. Saw the field, had timed the deal, had time. Brady too worked on their feet so much. A quarterback is in his feet, not in his arm. That's mm-hmm. why you say sometimes with Tua, it's throwing the spots. Well, it's also processing the information. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're technically helping him a lot. So a, when he gets yeah. back there, because he's so used to being an RPO guy, I don't really think he's great at drops. And I think he kind of notice- has to sit back there. And he has to look, and he has to process, and that's why it's only a two-man target.
6: If you notice, at the top of his drop back, he's a little hoppy. Yeah, and that's right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm I watched this. I forget. Jeff that um, first year, Brady coaching him? I, I forget who uh, what his name is. Um, it's this is it's a guy on YouTube. I think it's called the Quarterback School. He does an amazing job of breaking down is quarterbacks. I forget his name, but um, I would have to.
3: That's okay. I okay, go
6: ahead. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I I really want to give this guy credit though cuz he he breaks down Jalen Hurts film regularly. Um he doesn't just break down Jalen Hurts, but he breaks down all the quarterbacks. Um what he's doing is like Jalen Hurts just looks uh, looks a bit hoppy in his dropback. Yep. And uh I
3: the, I that's funny. I didn't even I that you notice it. Yeah. He kind of he kind of drifts. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's causing the time because he's not processing the information, and what you said, he's not trusting the game plan. That's why it's taking five seconds.
6: Yeah, yeah. No, i i couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I just Jermaine think Jalen hurts.
3: J.T. O'Neil, J.T. O'Sullivan. I
6: think I, I think that is his name. I think that is his name, J.T. O'Sullivan. I think so. Um, but nonetheless, though, yeah. Oh, yep, it's J.T. Yep, yep, exactly. Thank you, guys. J.T. O'Sullivan, I appreciate it. Um he's apprehensive. And that tells me the coaches aren't doing a good good enough job in coaching him out of that or coaching in general. This is why I, this this will go back, this goes back to my point about they're just relying on these guys' talent to bail them out all the time. That's what I strongly believe. I don't believe that, like Jalen Hurts made his biggest jump under Shane Steichen. He leaves, he takes a step back. So, who, who, so that tells you who was more responsible for his growth. That oh, tells you okay. that, that that's clear. clear. It's very, very clear. Don't overthink it, you guys. Brian Johnson was there in 2021. Nick was there in 2021. Shane was there in 2021. In 2022, all three of them were there again. Jalen Hurts makes the big jump. In 2023, who, one, one person leaves. You still have two brains there. One brain leaves. Jalen Hurts takes a step back. Who was more responsible for his growth?
3: Isn't it funny, Tone? You take just a few personnel pieces away, slight personnel pieces, and then you take the play caller away, and you have 90% of your offense back, and you have the same playbook.
6: Also, I think – And you're I,
3: watching your quarterback. Here, look at this. I look also, at th- numbers, also
6: think Jalen trusted Shane more. People want, people want to talk about this relationship. Oh, that, wait a
3: minute. I thought they were boys from back in hey, the Tonka li- truck days. Hey, hey,
6: hey listen, man. I, 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 that That's a cool story for the offseason. But when the season starts, I don't, give a, I don't give a damn about that.
3: That's what I said. I
6: don't give a damn about that when the season like, starts. It
3: doesn't have to do anything.
6: It doesn't have to do anything. I think, I think he trusted Shane more. I think he trusted Shane's reasoning behind the play calling more. You know what I mean? You played this game before. Nothing more annoying. You tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Nothing more annoying than when a coach tells you to do something but he can't tell you why you're doing it.
3: There's nothing worse knowing that when you know that a coach lines you up in a shitty position and you know you're not going to win at that position and he puts you in that technique and he puts you in that in that play call, you know it's going to fail. And, there's no, and and trust me, I can't tell you how many times. Being coached by Dave that when I got to the Bucks, this guy constantly put us in bad situations every series. Every series wants that, who went on to win Super Bowls, not just national championships. He won three, okay, as a coordinator for the Cowboys. Constantly puts you in top positions to win. Tone, you know it before the play is called. It's mm-hmm. going to fail. You see okay. The the that's why some of these guys are walking off the field, shaking their head, going... That's, that's all you see. Just you, shaking their head. You know, I'll tell you this. Pro guys... Pick up on it quicker than college guys. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying to you, when you – hey, remember what your boy Jason Kelsey said? I'm coming back for Hurts. You're not coming back for that offense. I guarantee you, he didn't come back for that offensive game plan.
6: No, he, he saw didn't the right –
3: back for Hurts.
6: Right. He saw uh, he saw what Jalen Hurts could be. And here's the thing. Right. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is nowhere near dead. Right. Like his, his, no. his You know, like this is this is one of those situations. And, I, and I'm, I'm not saying you're saying that. Oh, um, he's the
3: only thing keeping him afloat.
6: Right. So um, I trust Jalen Hurts to always stay in the lab and work on his game. That's one thing I do trust by Jalen Hurts. He's always going to stay in the lab. But
3: I wish someone was helping him fix. Stay in the lab with him. That's usually what coaching is, too.
6: Right, right. So Here's the thing, right? The bottom line is this. Regardless of how people want to feel about what we're saying, we all watch the games, and we see something is off. We can see I, something can is can off.
3: I throw something? This is one of my conspiracy things here.
6: Uh-oh. Here we go. Okay. Buckle up.
3: I just think ever since they gave him that money, they treat him differently on and off the field. And they probably teach him. Hey, watch this and they probably treat him coaching wise differently. I mean, it's just different it's just to me you think they um you think they you think they talk to him a little differently? I think they talk to him differently and I think they expect more from him without coaching him.
6: Money, I think they
4: Money I doesn't change a man.
6: What's that? Money doesn't change you. No, it no. Just, it, it just changes people around you. you. Yeah, It changes the people around you. Remember exactly. that
3: exactly. It How people perceive you, it changes the people around you. It doesn't change you. It changes the people around you, how they see you. So I just to me, well, we gave him the money, so it's up to him to do it. When that's not the case, Belichick was up Brady's ass for 20 years. Exactly. You know what, to me, how about this one? Tone, do you think the Eagles coach Jalen Hurts hard?
6: Not anymore. Do you Not think anymore. Brady
3: was coached hard in New England?
6: Yeah, if you're in New England, you're getting coached hard by everybody. Yeah, definitely.
3: You think it's, you it, think it's, Andy Reid?
6: It's, and it's in the fabric of what they are. You think yeah. Andy
3: Reid in and his subtle ways coaches Patrick Mahomes hard? It doesn't have to be swearing at him or hollering at Yo, him. Yo,
6: listen to this. Right, I'm so glad you brought that up. Last year, before the contract was signed, when Jalen Hurts made certain turnovers that were clearly idiotic. What did Nick do? He was right at him. Yo, what's going on? This year, we haven't seen Nick get at the Hurts one time. Nothing. Not one time. No one. No one wants to talk about that. This is the first time. This is, I think this is the first time this is being brought up. The they don't Jalen, hurts, they, they and Nick haven't had a heated conversation on the sideline at one time this year. Or let's put it. Last
3: year, he threw a pick in some game, and Nick went over. It was the went. Washington.
6: It was the Washington game. He threw it. He he threw it, He I think it was the Washington game. He threw an interception, and it was in the red zone. As soon as he walked back to that sideline, Nick was like, "Yo, what the what was that? Like you got you, you go here with the ball, not the, like you know he he got with him. This doesn't season, it,
3: doesn't it show you something too about Nick Brady. hasn't said a,
6: Nick hasn't got Nick, Nick hasn't said a stern word to him all season
3: because the cameras that? would catch it. You know what I mean? The cameras would catch it. But oh yeah, did they call AJ? How about this one though, Tone? So when Brady left New England, who did he go to? He went to Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm. Did he coach him hard? Shit, How many times did Bruce Arians put Brady on blast when they were seven and five in that Super Bowl year? Quarterbacks yeah. got to be better.
6: Yeah, but also That's I Tom think, Brady, right? And, and and also, you know, in in contrast, Tom Brady also held Bruce Bruce accountable.
3: Oh well, Bruce he, got three rings too. Right, so, right right I
6: mean, right 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 but I think I think what I'm saying is they both were oh, yeah. with each other but because... you can be
3: hard on each other but respect one another exactly exactly okay so to me I mean I don't believe that kid is getting good coaching this year what what tone. tone? think about it he's not getting good coaching or how about this he's getting inexperienced coaching mm-hmm. He's getting um, too many voices in the game plan with the analytics coaching staff and the regular coaching staff. And the head coach, in my opinion, has to balance all three of that. That's why Nick is not really a head coach. He's He's a a balancing act guy. That's balancing all the departments to make it work.
6: You know those people on the carnival that spin the that spin the plates on the uh, on the sticks. Yeah, that's him right now.
3: That's right. He's a he's he's the guy in the circus mm-hmm. spinning. You know, the only difference was when Phil Jackson did that. Phil had Bobby Kremens. He he had a defensive minded guy. He had Jerry Krause, who everyone hated. Um, he had all these things, and he knew how to balance it. Get this. You know how great a coach Jackson was? He convinced Jordan not to be a scorer and a champion.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay? He, he he refined
3: him. He made him understand. Okay? Hey, we need Jerry Krause. He's going to find Tony Kukoc. He's going to bring in Scottie Pippen. You're mm-hmm. not going to like that. Who cares? It's about winning. And Nick has got to... See, got to remember something too. Nick's a young coach. Yeah. You know, you, we Nick's know in his
6: forties. Yeah, he's young.
3: You know, no, no, no. I'm talking about young as a head coach. This is two and a half years. He's still. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's still. He's, he's still green. Yeah. He's so. If the coach is still young, the quarterback's still young, the coordinators are young, the coaching staff is young. You know what? Tone at the end of the day, maybe we're being just too critical. You know, I, I've never thought about this take. Are we being too critical of the Eagles? I'll because take it a step further. I'll, I'll,
6: I'll take it step further. Oh,
3: a step further. So two years of what they've done, where they are as a team, and what they're accomplishing, as young as they are, and how young everyone is. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- this is not about this year. Isn't this about the Super Bowl window for the next five years on getting better? Because I think sometimes, Tone, we get into a position where we look so hard at the micro mm-hmm. two weeks this and that. It's
6: this difficult, but I get what you mean.
3: Process.
6: I'm glad you said all those things because now it forces us as Eagles fans to reevaluate or recalibrate how we're how we're how we're processing what we're seeing, right?
3: If he wins a Super Bowl in the next 5 years and has gone to 2, we're going to look back on this moment here and go shit it's the best era of eagle football
6: you you bring up a good point right are we are we over reacting to what we're seeing with the philadelphia eagles right i don't
3: we're probably reacting right to the moment but we're not looking at the the, the macro of what it is
6: because at the end of the day hertz is going to be here for the next 6 or 7 years absolutely so so far so if we're looking at this objectively in the macro they're doing very well if we're looking at this objectively in the micro this thing can get up the rails fast so but here but 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 here's the thing though right you you're right you have a young head coach who's in year three you have a, a you have a franchise quarterback who's in year four in the nfl but year three as a starter so do with that with what you will and you have a first year coordinator a first year uh, you have two first year coordinators, so on and so forth. First year quarterback coach, and, twelve different coaches in first year positions. Right. So it's like, in the grand scheme of things, if we see this at five years from now, we say, okay, one Super Bowl win, two appearances, maybe three NFC Championship appearances, like that. Then you look back and say, okay, damn, like, they accomplished a lot. But right now, based on what I'm seeing, I'm not liking. Nick's direction with the offense, which Nick's to
3: direction you, or Howie's,
6: that's the million dollar, that's the 50 million dollar question.
3: I think this is a question to ask
6: because, look, again, again, because, again, you no, know, regardless of what we're saying, if people, I, I always like to bring it back to this, regardless if people agree or disagree or think we're trolling, whatever it is, regardless if people agree or disagree with what we're saying. When you watch the games from week one up until now, something is off with the offense. People want to talk about stats. People want to talk about, you know, the yards and the points per game. People want to talk about all those things, right? But when you talk about the actual product, something looks off. So, therefore, what's the source? Where is is the root cause of this disjointed nature of the offense? They're learning to win, and it could be that are we watching a team that won so fast to so soon? N- now they're learning how to sustain.
3: What was the one problem with seventeen sustainability?
6: Correct, and they didn't start off ten and three. They 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 had to crawl back. They they struggled. Hey, you know what I mean? So this sustainability, sustainability is
3: just as tough as it is to remain on top.
6: Yeah, yeah. I, I it's in my opinion, it's it's easy to get to the mountaintop. It's harder to stay there. So, this team being ten and three right now, and we talked about this um I think about a week or so ago, what they're trying to accomplish is almost improbable. It's difficult to not only you know become the number one seed in your conference two years in a row. It's difficult to make it back to the Super Bowl two years in a row and win the second time. It's hard, you know, so but it doesn't happen and, and it doesn't happen yet with them being ten and three, they have a adapt and and again the defense is not a Super Bowl defense at all, at all. But can Jalen could Hertz, be next year? Could be next year. But could Jalen Hurts play above the wire? Can Jalen Hurts play above the rim to help carry this team to us to that point? I trust Jalen Hurts. I don't trust this defense. So that's that's where that's where I'm the at right now.
3: Expectations on Hurts are too high. The
6: expectations are very high.
3: You know, you and everyone else. Your expectations on the kid it, get this but I I, but I, this. but
6: i always check myself with that right i always check myself and i say look at the end of the day Jalen hurts is a quarterback that came into the NFL with a ton of flaws and we're kind of been we we're kind of spoiled by his growth from year one as a starter to year two as a starter so now we're expecting this growth you, you talked about it in the offseason so right
3: he, so he, get this so he takes a step like how about this he takes a smaller step i told you this no you Last I, year I, I know where you're step. going I, I know you're going with this he, he may take about? this much of a step. Yes. Okay. And what's going to happen is you're not going to see that exponential leap that you saw in years. Because year they two. don't happen And what's going to happen is you're going to go, how come he didn't grow as fast? That's Most not how, don't. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. What
6: we saw from year one as the start of the year two is almost unprecedented. You're not going to see that kind of growth every single year. You're not going to see that. You're going to, you know what you may see? You may see two steps forward, one step back.
3: Two steps forward, one step back. The step back is the coaching staff, not him. Bingo, and that's where I'm at with him. How about this, man? Do you think there is a proper? I'm Mara. I'm stealing this from you. Um, it was a great take. Do you um think that the foundation for the Eagles is set for the next five years?
6: Hmm. The foundation is it set for the next five years.
3: Yeah, I'm paraphrasing his take.
6: okay when I think of foundation I think of your premium positions right so quarterback check left tackle check center is up in the air for me because Cam Juergens all we know of him is what we know and he can't stay healthy so that's that so quarterback check left tackle check D-line I'm willing to say check because of those two guys in the middle and sweat and sweat, depending on if they bring them back when the contract ends. Um
3: the whole back end, the back is end, not, the, the back you're end. You're gonna replace the next two years, that entire linebacking and DB room is gonna be replaced. Will be replaced.
6: Yeah. So from a foundational standpoint, your O-line and D-line is pretty solid. Pretty solid. Oh no, I
3: think it's I think it's above, I think it's really good.
6: Well, here's the thing, right? Do I expect Lane and Kelsey to be here two years from now? No.
3: Oh, okay. Still, O-line, I'm sorry. Yes.
6: So you take away Kelsey, you take away Lane, that leaves. The entire
3: right side's gone. A your, Hall of
6: Famers, too. Your, your entire right side is pretty much But I do have Stoutland. But you do have Stoutland. So, and Jimmy Johnson said it best. Uh, offensive line coach is the most valuable coach on the field.
3: Best in the so, business.
6: So O-line, D-line, check. I like Tracy Rocker a lot. Me, too. So, O line, D line, check.
3: I'm prejudiced to that though.
6: <laughs> and the quarterback position,
4: check. So you're is missing there, one. That, so is you're that missing your now.
3: Say that again. You're missing a little bit here. You have a proper foundation in coaching.
6: I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm so, not ready to go there.
3: Well, then you don't have a foundation. Tone. All of it has to work together to work. When I, it's I know.
6: That's. I know. That's. Why I was going down a checklist and. When I I'm glad I'm glad you brought up coaching because that was the next thing. As of right now, today, today, my trust is waning with the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff. It's waning. Now, do I think Nick Sirianni can write the ship at some point in his career? He's young. Yeah, why not? Right? Go back to the drawing board. Cause remember, you said it yourself. Maybe we're looking at this too much in the micro. Maybe we need to look in the macro. If you look at his career in the macro, he's been a productive head coach. Like what you say, so regardless of regardless of how you feel about his role,
3: I
5: got in,
6: it. I got it. In the macro, you would say he was he's been a productive head coach in the macro. Yeah. But when you dig deep and peel the layers back, you say, okay, there's flaws in his game. So can Nick Sirianni improve as a head coach? Absolutely, right? Do I? Does he strike me as somebody that's self critical? Yeah, I I think he is. So you know what? I think I am going to say maybe the foundation from a coaching perspective, at least a head coach. Can um, be salvaged too. So, so I, 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 I think their, I think their foundation is is pretty solid. It's pretty, it's pretty decent. It's pretty, it's pretty good.
3: Do you think that if this thing comes off the rails and they don't, and they're a one and done this year, do you think Jeffrey Lurie steps in and says, mm. you know, the one thing that we've missed the last two years? is experience in our staff. And do they go instead, go back to the Schwartzes and the Reich's and bringing, because I could see Nick and Frank working together. They have. I can see you They too. worked together for 15 years. Yeah. Frank knows coordinators too. And so remember something, you're going to be in the same room mm. with people that you trust and know because, Frank's going to be a confidant also and the organization loves Frank. Remember yeah. some, you, whatever you think about Frank as a head coach, okay, I I'll agree or disagree, but as a coordinator, Frank won you a Super Bowl, dude, yeah. with a backup quarterback in a moment nobody thought in Philadelphia sports history and gave you the greatest moment in your lifetime and many people's generations of lifetime. Mm-hmm. The greatest moment in your city's life.
6: Right. So Okay. So, so question- I would
3: say to you would the owner step in and go enough with these training will, um, OCs and DCs? Yeah, because
6: I'm glad you said that. Because all it takes for Jeffrey Lurie to come from out the castle and say, "Listen, Howie, all this all this training wheels crap, I'm done with it. We, we you know we 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 did it for the past three years, made us a Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts is the commodity. Jalen Hurts is why we do what we do. So therefore, I, I, I put it this way, right?" If none the playoffs, cause they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make it. But Absolutely. if they're, if, if it's if, going to be a
3: matter of where they are in it,
6: right? If they're one and done and the offense still looks how it looks. I think Brian Johnson's one and done. I think he's out. I think that I think he's one and done and they bring it and they bring in somebody familiar. That has experience. If I want to- D, and the and, and, and Sean, the, Side may. No, is lacking on the side. He, short aside, may have some saving grace because the defense is lacking personnel.
3: That Let may be a saving grace. But not Brian Johnson.
6: Too much talent for them to look this, <laughs> look this lackluster.
3: How about this on Desai? Does it bug you that they didn't even hire a position coach and he was a special advisor to the head coach in Seattle? He didn't even have a job, really, as a position coach in Seattle last year. He was a special advisor to the um, head coach. He wasn't a coordinator in Seattle. They hired a special advisor to Pete Carroll. He wasn't even Um, a coordinator. I'm so
6: so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you brought that up.
3: I'm looking at it like this.
6: Uh,
3: You got you got me still. Yeah, I got you, man. It's okay. Go ahead.
6: Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through a little connection issues myself. So um nonetheless though, um, to your to your question, hiring Sean Desai, did that make sense to me because of the lack of coaching experience? Because if you really, if you really go down his his coaching record, Sean Desai, he was in 2021. 20, he probably, then he went and then he went to Seattle in twenty twenty-two to to you know to fulfill whatever role that he was in. the the associate head coach of the defense so he took a i don't know if that's a step back or a pivot i don't know but in chicago he started out as defensive quality control and then he became the safeties coach basically basically a db coach um and then he became a d coordinator in 2021 with the bears then transitioned to seattle to be an associate head head coach of the defense and then here he is in philly so he was a dc for one year he has one year of dc experience and one Um, year of
3: position coach.
6: uh two years of position coach um two years as, of
3: position as, coach
6: yeah yeah and um in chicago but there was only the safeties so and it's so funny Reed blankenship is actually the better db out of all of them he's having the best year which is interesting so but nonetheless though um the, here we talk I th- did we talk about this yesterday they allowed denard wilson to walk out the door when you had him in the building you had the guy in the building but you let him walk wild because he didn't want to play ball with how you wanted things to get done. That's right. So you bring so you bring in someone who, I don't want to say desperate, but someone who's just looking for an opportunity. Can I tell you
3: what Denard did? He failed the interview.
6: He failed the interview.
3: He failed the interview. You now how you fail the interview? Having your own opinion. Exactly. When exactly. you come to Philadelphia to get an assistant coach's job, if you have all these grandiose ideas, that's not who they want.
6: What you do if you want the job, tell them what they want to hear first. Sign the dotted line before you start getting creative. <laughs> you no, know no. what I'm saying?
3: I'll, I'll, oh, here, I'll interview for Howie. Oh, man. Watch this. Hey, um, really love to have you in here very much so. We, you know, you come with great recommendations. And this is how I would interview. Hey, listen. You guys have had so much success over the last couple of years. The personnel that you've put on the field has been exceptional. Even when you guys are struggling sometimes, uh, when it comes to some areas, when it comes to depth, you guys seemingly fit it in season. It's remarkable. All the players really advanced. They increase their value when they come here. You guys play a great system, a great scheme. And in today's NFL, you know, because you're not going to run into a lot of these great quarterbacks, I don't believe in giving up the big play. I believe in giving up the underplay and the, the shorter plays because the shorter play is not going to beat you. The plus 25 is going to beat you. And to me, bringing pressure, I'm all about what the front four do. And in Philadelphia, what you guys have done for me, looking 35,000 feet, that's one of the priorities that you guys have when it comes to retooling your defense is that you make an emphasis on having your defensive line, a priority. So to me, my, uh, my job, is to make sure I put the linebackers and everybody in the entire unit in a proper position to be able to win. And so with the personnel given from the great job that you do, Howie, and my job, I'm here to come in and work myself into what you guys do and change. I have to change my way of thinking sometimes because I'm not going to change 22 players and I'm not going to change 12 players. I've got to come in and adapt to what you have. That's how you get the job, dude. You're hired. Right. <laughs> See, when you come in this oh. way, watch this. Yeah, you know, we've had great success down in uh, Baltimore, um, 49ers, uh, Miami. Uh, we've been fifth in the league. We bring pressure. We, bling, we believe in a ton of safety blitzes. We believe in press coverage, and we have to have press coverage corners. and. Already you're fired. You know why? They've invested in center fielders, $30 million. Mm-hmm. You
6: mm-hmm. failed. It's so funny, though, because Denard was already – he'd been in the building for the past couple of years, and he still failed the interview. You
3: know what? You know, you know why he got thrown out? He got thrown out of the building because he knew the system's wrong. Mm. And he knew that this was going to be the precursor to what he sees right now. One of the worst defenses in the league.
6: Them Ravens, man. He got those D-backs planned. Lights out. So, man, um, yeah, to your point, Sean Desai, uh, I think the year at least because, you know, offensively, though, Brian Johnson, he may may get the boot if his offense stays stagnant.
3: Well, I'm really glad that I put you in a good mood today here, (laughs) Tony. Hey, my friend. No, no, you know, you're good. You're good, you know. You're all good, man. You're all good. Got you, my friend. I appreciate it, Tone. Thank you very much. All right. That is my good friend, Tone. Don't forget, you can catch him on with Sports Take and with Rob Monday through Friday. These guys do a great job, and I appreciate him coming aboard and doing the segment. Jason Cole's going to come around the corner here in a minute. Don't forget, December. Absolutely. This is Hooters and football. What better, right? Hooters, Bucks are back here, man. Santa bonus bucks $5, great stocking stuffers. Plus the calendars are out, $100 of coupons are inside of them. Hooters.com and Hooters2Go.com. That's all you have to do is go to that website. You don't have to go into the place. Get the great food. I had some of it the other day. It was spectacular. Seafood Sundays. I love it. Uh, Lunch specials, Monday through Friday, 1130 to three, boneless swings. Do me a favor. Oh, by the way, kids eat for free on Saturdays, Northeasttutors.com. That's northeasttutors.com. Jason Cole right around the corner. Keep it here in the National Football Show.
4: Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card.
1: This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift cards are
4: here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored.
2: professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation at malamut associates that is a tenet by which we live we prepare from day one for victory anything less is not acceptable
0: underdog fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money
5: G-L-E-S, Eagles.
3: Well, Jordan Malata, by the way, Jason Cole is going to join us soon here. So let me ask you this. So Jordan Malata came out, I think it was on WIP, and said that Brian Johnson apologized for the poor play calling. I mean, that's so amateurish. That's really amateurish. You're a po- you, Why aren't you apologizing on a Thursday for poor pay, play calling or Wednesday for poor play calling in a Cowboy game on Sunday? I mean, it—it's cringy. Hey, I'm sorry. I, you know, I—I I need to call a better game for you guys, and we'll do a better job. Hey, player accountability is also part of it. Those guys suck too. Nobody has to apologize for sucking. You got to play better. I don't want an apology. Hey. I don't want an apology. I want you to play better. Okay? Yale goes, take that with a grain of salt. Then don't say it. There's no reason to say it. They're more... They are so... enamored with how they're perceived... You this the quarterback doesn't look on uh, uh, they don't coach the quarterback hard. They don't coach if you're not coaching the quarterback hard, that means you're not coaching anybody hard. Remember that. If you're not treating Jalen Hurts hard, you're not treating anybody else hard, you're not coaching them hard, you're apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the Jets game, I'm sorry for the shitty play calling. You had, a, you had a defensive coordinator apologizing for shitty play calling versus the Dallas Cowboys. Take it with a grain of salt. Okay, I'll take this. I got a coach on a Wednesday apologizing who should be focused completely on the Seattle game and the next task at hand. I would have said that guy, Philly, dude, that's in the rear view. I'm not apologizing for shit. That should be behind the scenes and in the locker room, not for some media tool. Why do I have to tell a media tool or the public that I apologize? Okay. We'll agree to disagree. y'all. Yeah? Player said it. Man. Oh, real quick. Can I tell you why Dak Prescott has already won the MVP award? Your your guy's done. It's over. You want me to give you a little insight on the fifty four. MVP voters. Can I tell you what the running theme is right now? Why is Dak a slam dunk to win it? Could Lamar? Well, maybe outside shot. Hurts never won it. Oh, Dak is the MVP, Anthony. Because how they'll get around a Niner, they'll do this. Well, McCaffrey and Purdy took votes away from one another. That's where Dak lands. (laughs) Purdy and McCaffrey are probably more important and probably your real MVPs. But those two guys will take votes away from one another. And then Dak parachutes in. I'll say this to you too. If he wins the East, shit. That guy is totally the MVP. If he wins the East, and right now, he's in the two hole. And you're a wild card team. Mm. <laughs> Damn. If I had to pick between McCaffrey and Purdy for MVP, quarterback's the most important position. Man, I love Purdy's story. Man, get this. You can't have asked for a better saving grace than the disaster of Trey Lance, than having this guy parachute in and beamed in like he came in from the enterprise. Money, play. Um, His ability the way he's throwing the ball, talk about missing on a guy. You know, he may be one of the ultimate quarterback misses in pro football history if he closes the deal. I want you to think about that. Think about this for a second on Brock Purdy before I bring Jason Cole in. Jason was out there a couple months ago. After the Trey Lance disaster, this guy makes 937. He wins the Super Bowl making less than a million bucks and he's an MVP. The salary cap, he's got 2 years still on this deal for the Niners to deal with. You know, next year I think he can get an extension and he can end up getting that extension when it comes to prorating out the uh, signing bonus. But the cap will still be there for Lynch. You talk about going from one extreme of losing three ones to a guy that saves your cap. I'd rather have my cap not affected than losing three ones because the cap affects the entire 53. It's pretty remarkable. It, 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 it's utterly remarkable. Before I get to that, I want to start with Cowboys and Eagles with our Hall of Fame voter, Jason Cole. And Jason, appreciate you coming to court. Thank you, my friend.
5: Oh, no problem. What's going on?
3: All good, Jace. Tell me, what was your takeaway from the Eagles and the Cowboy game?
5: Eagles look tired. They look tired and banged up. That's, um, I don't know if how the, how they get it back, um, but they're not the same team that was winning, um, you know, five straight and winning some close games and beating up on some teams physically. I. I don't quite understand it it's like such a big swing in level of effort big swing in demeanor uh I don't know if the you know the 49ers game got into their heads a little bit defensively but it's really more of an effort thing and I'm not saying they're not, they're not trying hard I think that even when they're trying hard they're just not there they're like they're not pounding people the way they were in the first 11 you know 10 11 games of the season
3: How about this, Jace? There's a statistic out there that teams that play the Niners the week after are 1-26 in when they play them. And, you know, I mean, it's a residual effect. And I think, like you said, they beat the starch out of them so much, not only physically, but mentally, because then you get second-guessing going into that Cowboy game, and it just looked like a ton of second-guessing. From Philly, and like you said, they just looked like they weren't prepared. And Dallas looked like world beaters.
5: Right. I mean, I, look, the Eagles just didn't look sharp. I haven't looked up that stat on teams after the fact with the 49ers, but that's interesting. And to see the quality of how they play, I'd like to I'd like to, I'd like to dig a little deeper into that stat um, to analyze what it means. It's, But it's impressive um, or depressive if you're on, on the flip side of that, right? Um, But, you know, the bottom line is the Eagles, as they have played the last two weeks, are not anything like they did play in the first 11 games. The question going forward is how does Sirianni get that back? Because, you know, like they're banged up. They've got injuries. Everybody's got some of that. Everybody's got attrition. The question is, how do you get healthy over the last four games so that you're ready to go into the playoff race? Because, look, as good as I think the 49ers are right now, and they're the best team in football, they've proved it on the field, Okay, as much as I truly believe that. If you don't have Trent Williams lined up at left tackle, it's a whole different game, because that's the biggest single injury that have impacted them during their three-game losing streak was Trent Williams. Talk about Debo Samuel all you want. Talk about the rib injury that McCaffrey was dealing with for a couple of weeks. Talk about that all you want. Not having Trent Williams changes everything that they do and how they run their football team.
3: Don't you agree right now, Jace, identities are set with NFL teams heading into week 15, like what you and I am going to expand on what you're saying. These next four games, this is where we talk about the war of attrition. Because if the Niners lose a guy, they, they, are we sold on Dallas's medal? Can they run through Detroit, Miami, and Buffalo this weekend? Can they get it back in Philly? Injuries are not really a part of the issue. Well, some in the secondary on their defenses. But this is more about where we are in the season on war of attrition, right?
5: Yeah. I, look, the 17-game season. Has really drastically changed for to me the highs and lows of what the and and, and more so than you would just say okay we're going to go from sixteen to seventeen we're adding you know just one more game. It has had a much bigger effect to me on how you run your football team over the long haul because like football is not a long season. Is not supposed to be a long season sport, right? Like, yeah, it's supposed to be a three or four month thing. You get in, you get out. Now it's becoming a six month operation if you're going to go from start to finish, um, in a season to try and win the whole thing, right? And, and, and you know, you know, putting your your body through a meat grinder for six months—that's really, really hard. And I think it exacerbates the up and downs of of what happened in you know even in a sixteen game as I as I said, so it is about are you going to get hot? It is about are you going to get healthy? Are you going to avoid injuries? All those things are really important here in the last four games of the season, and that's why when people talk about Miami and say oh they don't have any signature wins and they collapsed on a Monday night against Tennessee, like they're a lot closer than you think to being. A, a potential Super Bowl team than you want to necessarily believe. Because they've just, you know, if they can get their offensive line healthy and just get one game, like if they can come in and beat Dallas and all of a sudden the switch flips for the for the Dolphins and they start to really believe in their own hype, right? Like if something like that happens over the last four games of the season, I see them raking a run to the Super Bowl. And we wouldn't have talked about that a month ago with the Dolphins. We would have said, okay, well, they're kind of cool and interesting, but you know, they're, the dolphins they are soft, right. You know, after the.
3: I can't hear you. Chase. Can't hear you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, having a little, having a little issues there with, um, with Jason Cole there too. So we're going to hopefully be able to get back there. How you doing? <laughs> be able to get back to Jason Cole here. Hopefully we are able to get him back here up and running here because I love what he was saying about the um, about the scenario there with, with how long this season is. Jason, you are there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, hey, Sorry that's this. a great point. Please expand on it. No, I just think that with the long season – you just
5: get more ups and downs. And yep. again, I think that the last month of the season becomes, you know.
3: Jason, can't hear you. Okay, ho- hopefully we're able to catch up again with him and we can hear him and get his takes. He's got some really great stuff going on right now. I'll, I'll say this to you, and I'm gonna bring this up with Jason Cole here when we get him back here. Um, I wonder if the NFL needs to expand the rosters and add another bye week. And to be able to help these teams out. And I want to see if, what Jason says that hey, Jace, let me let me let me expand on this. Can you hear me?
5: I can hear you now. I just keep getting kicked backstage.
3: Gotcha. Let me ask you this, Jace. Do you think the NFL, after what you've seen, and I completely agree with you 100%, Jace, do you think that the NFL needs another bye week and maybe expand the rosters?
5: Uh, bye week, yes. I think that they should. What The most important thing to me is when you play on a Thursday game, you should have a bye going into the Thursday game, right? Like you should have 10 days off before that game and you should basically have nine days off after that game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, they should build that in and expand the season. Now, they're going to counter by saying that that decreases the inventory too much on the season and it makes it too hard to have enough quality games during any given weekend. And I understand that point to a certain extent. But I think that the Thursday game, the Thursday games kill teams. Yeah. Um, so do the Europe, Europe games. Europe games. Yeah, Europe games. That's not going away. The Europe game's never going away. No, they're away.
3: expanding them, actually. Right,
5: right, because there's just too much money to be made overseas. So that you're going to have to live with that, where I think that the, the issue is how do you mitigate the effects of the Thursday night games.
3: Jay, so let me, before I get to San Francisco, let me ask you, Dak Prescott. I mean, how about this? How impressed with you? I mean, Brady, it took him seven years to win an MVP. Dak's in his ninth. And here he is, you know, I mean, playing probably the best football that he's played in his entire career since he's been a cowboy starter. Give me your sense where he how do you look at him right now? Is he is he playing the best quarterback of any quarterback in the NFL right now?
5: I think statistically. Or is it Purdy? Well, Purdy's off the you know, Purdy's he out is. of his mind. I mean, like he's first in every category. How about this, Jace?
3: Jace, let me give you this stat with Purdy. Do you know that the, he, the, the Niners are 22nd in passing attempts and they're third in passing yards?
5: Let me add to that. There are only four teams in the league. There's are two stats I'm going to give you from, that I looked up this week. There are only four teams in the league that have rushed more than they have passed this year. And the and and the 49ers are one of those four. Atlanta is in there, I think. Um Baltimore is there, and I can't remember the third or the fourth team, but it's it's an also ran, it's not a competitive team. So they play more like a classic 70s, 80s kind of team.
3: So you're telling me that wait a minute, the 49ers have had more rushing attempts than passing attempts.
5: That's literally true. And <laughs>
3: Unbelievable. Here's,
5: right. here's the second part of it is they've run the fifth fewest offensive plays in the entire league. Okay, so here's this team that has all these different weapons and all those guys are playing well. Debo's playing great. McCaffrey's playing great. Kittle's playing great. You know, Ayuk's playing out of his mind. He's playing, you know, he's going to get a big contract. Purdy's playing great, right? So we talk about all these different weapons, right? And you would think, in that scenario, you want to run more plays because you want to get the ball in the hands of your guys more often and keep them happy, right? They do just the opposite. They run fewer plays, and they're more efficient. And part of that is, look, they jump on top of people that get leads early, and then they're running clock from there on. And I get that. But it's almost like, and and you'll get this remark, I'm not sure how many of your listeners will, it's like Kyle Shanahan is channeling more of Dan Reeves in certain ways than his old man, right? Yeah. And you would never have imagined that. I mean, but they're, Davis. They're, they are so incredibly efficient with how they run their offense. Um, but it's precarious. It's precarious. I, I, I always come back to Trent, Trent Williams better be there and you better have a lead. Because Brock Purdy, as good as he is, and he's playing MVP caliber football. I'm not saying he is the MVP. It might be McCaffrey on the team. As good as Purdy is playing, okay? If you take away a few things, he does not have the arm strength to outthrow people. Like, he cannot be Patrick Mahomes and outthrow people on a consistent basis. It's just not going to happen.
3: Don't you agree When you're talking that kind of stuff, and I know how you look at the MVP, you look at the end of the year, but man, I'll say this to you. This is why Dak, in my opinion, is the front runners because McCaffrey and Purdy are going to take votes away from themselves and people are going to look at both those guys and figure out quarterback's more important. Hey, McCaffrey's more important. Hey, Trent Williams, he may be the most important player in the huddle, period. And then you look at Dak, and that's where Dak parachutes in because there's really nobody else that's in that conversation in Dallas, not even CeeDee Lamb. And that's why I say Dak's got to be considered right there for that award.
5: Look, Dak's having as good a season as he can possibly imagine. You know, tip your cap to to Dak Prescott, you know, having a marvelous, marvelous season. And I still think that Jalen Hurts, you know, pound for pound, and depending on what they do, I like Jalen Hurts more. I like Patrick Mahomes more. But certain guys have seasons where they just take right. over, right? And they just – you know, Rich Gannon was an MVP. He had a season where he just was magical for that entire year. You know, Dak Prescott's having one of those years, and <coughs> it's coming at a time when, yeah, Jalen Hurts is banged up, and they're and Philly's kind of drifting a little bit right now. It's coming at a time when Patrick Mahomes doesn't have weapons, and the Chiefs are drifting a little bit. But okay, that doesn't mean I'm not going to vote for Dak Prescott. I would. He would be up there in the top three or four guys that I would consider at this point in time.
3: Let me let me, let me me go more into, de- into San Francisco here with you then. I mean, boy, I'll tell you something. I, and, and as I brought you on, I know you were listening when I said that. Can you imagine the saving grace of having lost three ones in your future and then landing on that pod <laughs> known as Brock Purdy is like landing on the Brady pod? I mean – And he's one round less. I looked at his 18 games, Jace, in his 18 NFL games. He's thrown for 5,000 yards, basically a season now. This is what we have as a a sample size now. He's 70% completion percentage. This guy's had a better start to his career. Than anything or anybody in the history of the Niner quarterbacks. Now again, Montana didn't have well, he's a better he's a plethora a of something. those guys, but I mean, this is insane.
5: Yeah. I mean, he's you know, you compare it to like Marino's first basically year and a half in the league.
3: But Marino was the 28th pick.
5: I understand. I it, like, but I'm that's what I'm saying. Like Purdy's that good as the last pick in the draft. It is it's pure magic, yes. Like, as bad a luck as the 49ers have had in recent years with injuries. And yes, they picked the wrong guy, or they they picked a guy in a draft where there wasn't a guy, right? Yeah. You know, yes, Trevor Lawrence, I think, is a good quarterback. There's more to be written on his career. Jacksonville took the right guy in that draft. Zach Wilson, no. Trey Lance, no. Mac Jones, no. Who was the Justin, even Justin Fields? Yeah. You know, like, There's there may be something, but I'm not if I'm the Bears, I'm like, I'm not I'm not picking up the fifty year option yeah, I'm like I'm 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 done. Okay, but if you you know, like when you look at it all, like the 49ers shouldn't shouldn't have made the trade up. They shouldn't have panicked. If they had sat there and waited, they might have gotten Mac Jones and that wouldn't have cost them the three ones, the whole thing that we talk about, right? But they've drafted so well in so many other areas, acquired players in other areas, you know, parlayed their draft picks into guys like McCaffrey and now Chase Young. Um, and then, yes, they got extraordinarily lucky. It's a once in 25 years pick. Like if the last Brock Purdy is doing things on par with what you know Tom Brady did, what what Dan Marino did. From the position of being a seventh round pick, right? Now he hasn't won a title yet. You know, Brady won titles, so that's a huge difference. Marino set all sorts of records, slight difference, and all that. But yeah, they've gotten an amazing, an amazing find in Brock Purdy. And, and, and yeah, I I well, could spend I could spend weeks talking about how good that guy is.
3: And 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 I tell people this, you know, everyone's like, well, Montana had all the I go, no, he didn't. He had Freddie Solomon, Henry Cooper had guys like that, Wendell Tyler, or, or I H- mean, when not they not won Henrik their get, first get Super Bowl.
5: Earl, Earl Cooper, but yeah. Earl he, Cooper, I okay, hey. I mean, and, Dw- and Dwight Clark, like everybody likes to talk about Dwight Clark like he was a superstar. He was a big, slow wide receiver. Yeah, right? he was <laughs>
3: Jason Witten before Jason Witten.
5: Well, he wasn't even – I mean, he was faster than Jason Witten because he was a wide receiver really. But, yeah, he's not – he's a four six four seven guy, you know, like who just knew how to run routes, and he was a big dude. Who happened yep. to make you know one of the two or three biggest plays in the history of of football? You know, I'll give him that. He was at the at the receiving end of that, but he was not like Jerry Rice or John Taylor. Let's not no. kid ourselves. Like, <laughs>
3: yeah. I, I want a couple last questions for you, Jace. I got a quote here that I want to get your opinion on here. So, I saw this quote from Kareem Jackson, the defensive back from the uh, Denver Broncos, who's yeah. been suspended. And he said that he had his meeting with the commissioner, and the commissioner said this to him. Um, He says, you have to protect, this is a quote, you have to protect the offensive players. Um, And then he responded to the commissioner, Mr. Commissioner, I'm not sure how. And then the commissioner said, well, you've got to play within the rules. And then he responded and said, so it's a defensive player's responsibility to protect the offensive players? And the commissioner said yes. I mean, Jace, you're asking a defensive player now as the commissioner of the league, and no wonder the officiating looks so one-sided in games. You're asking defensive players not only that they can't play defense in certain ways, now you're saying you have to look out for the offensive players? Well, let's just say this.
5: That's Kareem Jackson's version of the conversation. All right, I'd like to have. I, okay, I would like to have heard what Roger really said. And there's a difference between what Roger said and how the player wanted to, he wants to hear it, or
3: maybe how he heard it.
5: Right, exactly how he heard it, and and because I hear the same thing from other defensive players. Oh, you, yeah, I'm, I, I, I've got, to, I've got to put myself at risk, but not put the offense. I hear that kind of stuff. And maybe Roger did say it, and that's not the most eloquent way of trying to trying to deliver the message. Um, I don't know. Like,
3: You're not buying it.
5: I'm not necessarily buying it, but I'm also saying I understand that, you know, defensive players are the ones who are allowed to hit like that. They're allowed to tackle. And there is a responsibility that goes within hitting. I can't give you free-range to just hit however you want. You can't lead with the helmet. We can't spear people. We can't, you know, do certain things. And you've got to learn those techniques. Is that for the safety of the players? Yes. Okay? We It is for the safety of players. Is it specifically for the safety of offensive players? No, it's, it, yeah, it's about the guy you're going to hit. But it's also protecting yourself, too. I don't want you, to, you know, I don't want you to lead with your head because I don't want you to get concussions. Like. Part of this is on the players. You know, when the players sue the league and over CTE, which they were in the right to do, the league's going to respond with, okay, now you have to create rules that protect the players and limit the defenders, all right? You've put me in this position. If you're going to tell me you're, I'm liable for how you play, I'm going to have to create rules that safeguard you and safeguard the offensive guys and the defensive guys. That's the position you put me in by suing me. All right? That and all of that's fair. So both but these are the the reactions, you know, these are the actions, reactions of players in the league to what happens both on the field and in the court of law and in the process of running this game. And that's and it's really super complicated. And so Kareem Jackson may have heard that he may believe that he heard Roger may have delivered it in a way that's like that. The bottom line is there are rules that restrict how defensive players can tackle and hit offensive players. And they are there. Yes. For safety reasons, for both the safety of the offensive guys and the defensive
3: guys. Have you been surprised by Mike McCarthy this year? I mean, Jason, that looks like a different dude coaching that team. And look, I don't. I think D'Amico Ryans and maybe Shane Steichen, those are going to be your one and two guys for coach of the year. Probably D'Amico because of the nightmarish scenario down in Houston that was down there in that organization. But still, you coach the Packers and the Cowboys, two of the biggest brands in NFL history, and he's won at both places. I mean, has how about this? I'm not going to say is he the coach of the year or a candidate for it? I'm going to ask you this. Has he changed the narrative that Aaron Rodgers had on him when he was with him up there in Green Bay? Has he changed that narrative that he's a good coach?
5: Well, I mean, he was a good coach in Green Bay. Now, yeah, Aaron took him to task and belittled him a lot and leaked stories out and all these other kinds of things, which makes me laugh about when Aaron Rodgers is, you know, Throwing stones at the organization, going, We've got too many leakers and too many voices. Like, Aaron, really? You're complaining about people leaking information? You, of all people?
1: <laughs> um,
5: <laughs> like, come on, man. You know, um, but to get back to your original point, you don't win a Super Bowl without being a, some kind of a quality coach. And you don't win as consistently as McCarthy won in Green Bay with both Brett Favre and with Aaron Rodgers, without being a quality coach. Are you a Hall of Fame coach because of that? Not necessarily, no. But now you go to Dallas, and yeah, some of the criticisms that you received, you started to change. But I think the most important thing that's happened with Mike McCarthy this year is, he's actually coaching the team. Yeah. He's coaching the offense. He's not managing the team and allowing Kellen Moore To call plays. Because when you hire guys like Mike McCarthy, you hire them to call plays and run an offense. And the marriage of him with Kellen Moore was one that did not work. Because philosophically, those guys were so different in how they wanted to run the team. Now you're running the team the way that McCarthy wants to run it. Yes, McCarthy's gotten very fortunate in that they played a lot of games against weaker teams, were able to build up a lot of momentum, were able to, you know pound some people into submission, which has made it simpler. And now they've got this momentum going into the second half, which they may parlay into something really, truly great, and really, truly special. All right, we'll see. But I think the most important thing is he's in charge. Yeah. He's, deter- he's determining his future. He's doing what he wants to do. And, like, that's a lot different than the first couple of years in Dallas.
3: I have to ask you this here, and you've covered this game so long, and I'm, you, I, you'll you'll have the perspective here. You go back, and because you, also you're the Hall of Fame voter. I mean, Hallis ended poorly. Um, Shula ended not with a lot of winning. Landry didn't end with a lot of winning. These guys that stay so long, it never ends well because right. you know you're vilified if you stay too long. Remember Walsh used to say, Jason. 10 years is a window for a coach, and if you stay any longer than that, you're really going to end up being vilified in the end of the whole thing here. I mean, are you buying these reports that are coming out of Boston that there's already a preconceived, you are buying it, that Belichick will be leaving New England at the end of the year?
5: If Tom Curran, I know Tom Curran for a long time, and he's covered that team for 25 years or something like that, whatever it's been, Tom knows his way around that building. Tom's not reporting that unless he knows it's going to be true. So I trust the source where it's coming from. Yeah, could things change? Sure, something could change. I don't think it's going to change. I think that there has always been a tension between Kraft and Belichick that has been managed better by Kraft than by Belichick because Belichick wants things done his way. You think it started with Garoppolo? Oh, it started with you know it started way back in the flight gate. uh, That
3: stuff, Spygate. It started
5: Spygate, man. I mean, you know, look. There's still that story from the owners' meetings when Belichick. It was in Palm Beach, at the Breakers Hotel, when Belichick was supposed to get up and apologize for Spy the first Spygate, and he just mumbled and fumbled his way through this half apology, half. You know, it was just BS, right? It was a typical kind of of bill thing. And it was so bad that Kraft had to get up and basically finish the apology for him, right? And after that, one of the other owners looked at Kraft and said, how long are you going to put up with this? And Kraft's answer
3: was, as long as he wins. Well, as a Hall of Fame voter, is he a first ballot? Oh, no doubt.
5: Come on. That's too many pelts on the wall. Like we can we can poke holes in 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 Bill Belichick all we want and say he didn't win without Brady. Most coaches don't win without somebody, right? Oh no,
3: every coach had a guy.
5: Yeah, I mean the only the the
3: argument is is he one of is he the greatest coach of all time? That's what I here. Let me let me let me stop you here. Lombardi, Shula, Noel. Is he better than them?
5: Yeah, I think he's better than them because he won in a cap era and and when the league was 32 teams and its most competitive. Um, But he also won as a defensive coordinator, and I think he did some extraordinary things as a defensive coordinator that I'll give him a lot of credit for. Not that Noel didn't do that or that Landry wasn't a great defensive coordinator before coming to to Dallas. I just think it's a different league. It's a much more competitive league right now because of the salary cap. Um, But to me, the guy who gets overlooked in all this is Joe Gibbs.
3: Three different quarterbacks.
5: Like non-Hall of make,
3: Fame quarterbacks.
5: No, but think about that. Yeah, all of none of them are Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? But here's the thing: he made the quarterback position an interchangeable part. Nobody, nobody makes the quarterback position an interchangeable part. That's an amazing thing to do.
3: You know what I you, think he did, Jace? I think he expanded from George Allen what George Allen did and when Bobby Bethard came in there who had already had some success in Miami and Kansas City when those guys started putting pieces together from other teams and the interchangeable parts like that I think Bethard in my opinion I knew Bobby before he passed he lived in San Diego when when Bethard and him got together in my opinion that may have been the greatest dynamic between head coach and general manager on changing the landscape in the face of your team year in and year out with the turnover of anybody in pro football history because, like you said, it didn't matter if it was Theisman, Williams, Rippon. It had no bearing on really what the 13 or 12-win season would be in Washington. They were, And they were always great in the trenches on both sides of the ball. They drafted well. They evaluated in free agency. There's no coincidence that Dan... That Joe Gibbs is like a superstar NASCAR guy. I mean, everything he touches, he's great at it.
5: Yeah, and he works so hard at. it. I would say the other thing that I would add to that is that Gibbs also expanded upon Coriel and his offense in a way that highlighted the running game.
3: That's right, more than together. more
5: than more than Coriel did because it's really Coriel's design, but it's Coriel's design with a far upgraded running attack. Okay, with one where okay, we're going to punish you with the run and we're going to incorporate the shorter pass whereas Coriel was I'm going to attack you with the longer stuff um because uh, you know, 60s and 70s football was about getting out and getting deep and the way that you know, it's a slightly different era, slightly different philosophies. But it's the same attack and it but it's taking those ideas and expanding them sort of the same way that Kyle Shanahan has taken a lot of his dad's ideas, which were stolen from Walsh, obviously, um, and the 49ers, you know, when he was at the 49ers, you know, he t- he's taken those ideas and he's added a more dynamic run element um, and a different kind of run element to what his dad did um, using heavier offensive linemen, not little
3: guys. Last question Do you have a different opinion today of Belichick than you did five years ago?
5: Uh the only thing that I think was he wasn't wa- he wasn't wise about the end here. And I say that and I just thought of this in the last couple of days. Like there are certain guys who just a great tank. Like, you weren't you wanted control of the team and you you couldn't work it out with Tom. And they're still going to be the greatest duo of all time, right? Oh yeah. And like I always tell pe- people, you know, most groups Most groups dissolve, right? Like the Rolling Stones are the, yeah, the the Rolling Stones are an exception mostly because they're run by one guy and Keith Richards just kind of goes along with, goes along for the ride, right? And the other guys go along for the ride. It's really a one man show. So, but when you're talking about two people, it's hard to keep two people together. And I think that I go back and I think to myself, Billy, if you just let Tom play it out for two or three more years and let and give him the weapons that he needed and let him run the team. And yeah, he was a pain because he was not showing up all the time and he had his trainer. If you had just tolerated that for a couple of more years, you'd have gotten more time to to fix this and turn it around and you would have been more a graceful exit. This way, you know, he's been given a fair amount of grace already, but it would have been longer and it would have been I think it would have gone down easier and he wouldn't have been put on a pedestal where it's like, well, we expect you to fix this right now. And you got one quarterback, you know, you got one quarterback that you drafted in order to fix it. And we don't care about your bridge year with Cam Newton anymore. Like your third year with Mac Jones, it's out, it's gone. Like this would have been a little bit longer. Um, and I think that that was unwise, but it's like, it's bill and bill believes in himself. Um, and he should, yeah. You know, I I don't blame him for believing in himself, but that this at this point became to his detriment.
3: You know, I want to sneak one more in on you here about the Patriot job. Once he leaves, is that a good job? You got an you got an owner who who cares? You got a yeah. lot of building to do, and Dan, you got, to, you yeah, got, you to got go. the you no, got you got no no, got no geez, Wait, can... maybe it's easier to replace this version of Belichick than it would have been five years ago to replace it. So maybe what Belichick has actually done in his own failures has made that move a lot easier for Kraft because that guy coming in now, you're not replacing that guy coming off a Super Bowl win.
5: Well, there's still going to be some comparisons and people are still going to wax poetically about the greatest of Belichick and all those kinds of things, right? Oh, no,
3: New England fans yeah. still think they're going to win the Super Bowl next year, probably. No, well, they no. probably
5: still think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but... Yeah, right, uh, right, right. but, you know, oh, we we'll got we got a streak in us. We got a streak in us. We can do it now, Dan. Yeah. Um, but, you know, look, and some of them believe that Belichick can probably still survive this, which I just think is the wrong... But, 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 if, do, if, but, but, but like, let's just put it this way. If you have an owner... Who knows football well enough, which I think the crafts do, and who cares and wants to win, and you have a top three or five pick, whatever it happens to be, those are two pretty great building blocks. You know, like I if I can get the right quarterback, either Caleb Williams or Drake May, or maybe it's the Jaden Daniels kid, I you know. No, who knows.
3: I go get Kirk Cousins. Yeah, Make but
5: I think you, you, you have to pay, you have to you have to pay too much money for Kirk Cousins. I and I'm not. And look, as much as I like Kirk Cousins, I'm not paying fifty million dollars a year for him.
3: He's a good since, bridge, though.
5: I don't think he can handle the pressure in Boston. I don't think he's built for Boston. <laughs> I just don't. I you know, <laughs> uh, like Boston's different, man. Like Boston is. is. Yeah, Boston is. Boston has got some Philly to it. Yeah. That there's not much forgiveness in Boston oh, no. if you don't if you don't ball out, and Kirk, like Kirk's fine. Kirk should just be like, "I'm staying in Minnesota."
3: Hey, Jace, you got a two-year, you know, you got a two-game window in Philly, and a two-game window in Boston. <laughs> you, hey, you suck after three. Hey, get him out of here. <laughs> right,
5: and I, and and some guys can like bow up to that, and some guys can't. And I don't think Kirk Cousins can, can bow up to that. Especially with the – look, add on to the pressure. I, when I say he's going to get $50 million a year, he's going to get $50 million a year. Kirk Cousins? Who else are you buying? How many teams – put it this way. Make a list of teams that need quarterbacks. Oh, and shit, make, Have to and, and make a list of how many guys are available.
3: Half the league needs quarterbacks.
5: Right, and how many guys are available. Two, three. So that
3: means Dak at the end of this year um is gonna get in highest paid. He'll be the highest paid quarterback in the league. Yeah. He's you don't give him fifty five million. Sixty. If he wants it. Sixty. Oh my god.
5: It's gonna be crazy. The you think Dak not-
3: gets sixty million dollars at the end of the year if he keeps trending? <laughs> if they, <laughs> he lands that team in the NFC title game, which I'm predicting. Jerry pays him 60.
5: Yeah. I'd ask for it. I wouldn't be afraid. Because who else are you going to pay, Dan? Kurt. <laughs> and and if I'm him, I'm asking for 55.
3: Right? Holy cow, man. These guys, no wonder they don't bitch and hold out. Well, they, they you know, look at the money. Why it's, would you it's... bitch and hold out when someone's giving you a paycheck of $150 million a year?
5: Well, fifty million or sixty million, okay. but they but they're, but they're going to write a big check up front. It's just look; like it's going
3: to happen. Man. You think Kirk Cousins gets fifty million a year? Yeah. <laughs> wow, man! I hate the NFL today.
5: <laughs> oh, you were you were born at the wrong time. You know, but you that's I'm going to slap
3: my mom. <laughs> 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 Jace, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. All right, dude. We'll talk to you You soon. got it. Our good right, friend, soon. Hall of Famer Jason Cole, I thank you very much. Let's get into the power hour here. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
4: Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card.
1: This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is
4: near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored.
2: professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation at malamut associates that is a tenet by which we live we prepare from day one for victory anything less is not acceptable
0: underdog fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money.
5: L.E.S. Eagles.
3: Big sales, National Football Show. Appreciate you guys here. You think Kurtz is happy with the offensive game plan that he's given each and every single game each week? You think he's happy with what's going on. Here's what he's doing. And he's trending for this. 562 attempts, 374. These are all career numbers. Remember how we talked about Hertz having a career year? He's having a career year. Is he happy with his career year? 562, 374, 374 attempts. He threw the ball 465 last year. 66.5 completion percentage. All right. 41.74 will be a franchise record in Eagle history. Jalen Hurts will throw for more yards, barring they sit him. Than any quarterback in the history of the franchise. Twenty-five touchdowns to thirteen. Ninety-three five. By the way, because many of you want to do this, six oh two, he's on pace for to run. Has he got twelve touchdowns now? Or he I I think he's trending to twelve. You think he's happy with a career year? That's a career... He's having a career year. Jalen Hurts. Why would he want a new play caller? He's having a career year. Two receivers are probably going to get 1,000 yards. Shit, Devontae's 100 away already. You're going to have two... You're going to have, for the second straight year, for the first time in Eagle history, look at the records you're breaking. You're going to have a record-breaking offense this year in Philly. Why are you upset? A.J. Brown for wide receivers is going to have more catches than any wide receiver in Eagle history for a single season. He's going to have more receiving yards than any receiver in Eagle history. A career year. So the quarterback and the wideout are going to have career years. And Devontae is arguably the best number two wide receiver in the league. Would I take him over T. Higgins? Yes. Would I take him over Jalen Waddell? I don't know. Probably compatible to both of those guys. If you look at it, and you're going to have a thousand yard back with 47 catches. What's the problem? What's the problem? You're gonna have guys having career years. Like I said, barring, they don't sit these guys. Smith is healthier than Waddle. Okay. And actually, I think he's been more consistent. Waddle had a really great rookie year. He was good last year. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty close to one another. I like Jalen Waddle a lot too. I think he's a great player. Great football player. You are going to have career years. Okay? What's the problem? Isn't this crazy? You're going to have three guys with career years. DeAndre Swift's is going to have a career year. What are we talking about here? Look how funny numbers look sometimes. Okay? If not Super Bowl, who cares? I mean, well, you have to care. Because it tells you about who you are, what you're doing, what kind of plays you're doing, how you're winning ball games or not winning ball games. How in the world can Nick Sirianni survive three guys having career years if you don't win the Super Bowl? Answer that. If Jalen Hurts throws for more yards than any quarterback in the history of the Eagles, if A.J. Brown has more catches and more receiving yards, That any wide receiver in history, it'll be the second time in Eagle history that two receivers went back to back 90 plus catches and a thousand yards. You have a running back that's going to have 1,400 yards from scrimmage and almost 50 catches and 1,100 yards career year. How does that coach survive that? If you don't win the Super Bowl with all the all those guys having career years. What I mean, this is so confusing. This is why I go back and I say this one more time to you. The enemies within The enemy, every, you have, get this, like I said, one, two, three, four, five. You got a defensive end, edge rusher is going to have 30 sacks in two years. Look at LJ, right to the rescue. Not one coach has had a losing record. In the last 20 years in Philly. And it doesn't matter if Nick wins or not. You can't have guys having career years and losing and being murdered. Murdered. They. Am I right, Tone? Everyone. All these guys having superstar years. Watch this. Hurts. Will Hurts be the starting quarterback for the NFC? No, Dak will be. So he'll be the second team guy. Yeah. He's not playing the best quarterback in the NFC. That goes to Purdy. Oh, shit. Jalen might not make the Pro Bowl. I think they picked two. So they may pick three, but now you don't have to play the game. So alternates are not picked for it any longer. You're not going to be an alternate because they don't play the game. They pick the team. So um, Hertz might not make the Pro Bowl this year. It'll be Purdy or Dak first team, Dak second team. I'm not sure if they have a third team. Um, If they do, he'll be third team. Okay, Swift will not be first team. That'll be DeAndre. Uh, that'll be um, Christian McCaffrey. Andre Brown. Will he be first team? Will they put Debo, even though Debo missed time, but because he's versatile, will they put him out there? I can't. You can't leave a guy off the list with sixteen forty five. Not happening. No way. Who would be on the other side of him in the NFC? Metcalf? Um, Metcalf and Brown? Yeah. Probably Metcalf and Brown. Okay. Justin Jefferson's been hurt too much. So it'll go Christian McCaffrey. DeAndre Swift probably will get some love for the Pro Bowl this year. But, um, yeah. Probably your guy Nick Sirianni. What a guy's having career years. He's such a cheerleader. I'm sorry. You see the difference between me and some of them guys in Philly? They don't have the balls to stick to their convictions on that guy. They're going to waffle back and forth on it. I think we're all confused. You have a Super Bowl offense, but it looks like the rocket ship that can never get off the ground and hit the moon. Yeah. Well, if Hurts doesn't win the game, you don't win it or play well. Okay. Peter says, "Big uh, well, Nick Sirianni's rich coat tie, rich coat. No, no, no. I don't think I don't think really Nick's a good coach. I think he's a good organizational coach, which means he's good and listens to what they do in the organization. Listen to the press conferences. Just listen to him. I th- you know what." And we can all agree to disagree. There's guys on my channel <clears throat> and my network that love him. There's guys on IP, Fanatic, Inquire, who swear by him. Not a problem. I'm more with Angelo. I don't think he's a good coach. He hasn't shown one redeeming quality to me that he's a good coach. When it comes to play calling, when it comes to assistant coaches, when it comes to game planning. So when I hear him saying this, it's my responsibility with Brian Johnson to oversee the game plan, that scares me. That doesn't give me confidence. Do you think that gives Jalen Hurts confidence? That Nick Sirianni oversees the game plan? Hey, let me ask you this. You think Nick, who does Nick trust more? Brian Johnson? Who's Jalen Hurts trust more? Brian Johnson or Nick? Or does he trust either of them right now? Who he trust more? I can't wait to see this thing play out. I know how it's playing out. Every single thing. The only thing I miscalculated on was that I thought the defense would get better by week eight. It tragically went the other way. I thought you were going to get better by week eight. I did. But can I tell you why... The, You know why the defense didn't get better? Why do you guys think the defense didn't get better? Help me out. Why do you think the defense became what? Keon, I'll ask you. Why do you think the defense, the Philadelphia Eagles 2023 defense, became the worst in the league? Analytics? Linebackers? Because Dean got hurt? (laughs) Old-ass corner, senor? I'll tell you why. Because I think the offense couldn't win first down. Too many three and outs. Too many Indecision, series that stopped, red zone offense, lack of a power game, all took its toll on a very young unit that wasn't allowed to develop. You needed to have the offense taking the... I'll say this again, and James, I think this is it. I think taking the RPO out of the Philadelphia Eagles offense stunted the growth of the defensive side of the football because you couldn't have sustained drives to keep those guys fresh on that side of the ball. When you were limited in depth at every position at every level and it took its toll physically, mentally, schematically, am I wrong? The fact that the offense couldn't carry the defense enough to develop enough is why that defense went the other way, midway point of the season. And taking that RPO out, what was the one thing that the RPO did a year ago that was incredible? Stewart, there, there were four series. There were four series a game where you had 10 plus play drives that you looked up the half over That's why your pass plus your pass rush was better than it was this year Don't you see it the more reps that side takes is because of the sputtering on the offensive side You keep saying this, our offense is going to turn around. The offense not having turned around affected the defense. It affected it. Because there was an internal decision to take the RPO out. The reason that the defense didn't get the, who would have thought that the RPO hurt hurts? and the defense, all in the same breath. Am I wrong? Your older players are also an indication. Look at the older players on your team, except for really Fletcher Cox. Your corners look old. Graham looks old. Shit, Josh Sweat looks old. Because the amount of plays he's playing, the linebackers look old. Everyone looks old. Because the amount of tear that they, you have basically pulled a Chip Kelly on them this year. <laughs> you know what? You coached his football team like Chip Kelly this year with a smile. Tell me I'm wrong. You took the number one component. It's like you took the engine and screwed around with the engine and took major pieces of the engine off, thinking you were still going to run the same car. And who takes the top part of the team away from a guy who just paid 50? And they miscalculated on this because why? Well, the coach is in the analytics department because as far as I'm concerned, there's two coaching staffs in Philly. One's the analytics team, Howie's team, and Nick's team. There's two coaching staffs. Hey, Hey, Matt. And and and, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the radio station this morning, and they're saying, well, I guarantee you for Seattle, they put some of that back in. Just in the nick of time, are you panicking? Let me tell you this. You know what the Eagles have to be concerned about now, too, coaching staff-wise? Doing something that will upset the room. If you start doing stupid shit now... When you had a little adversity, instead of sticking to your guns, players are gonna feed into that. They're gonna feed into it. We're gonna look at week 14 here or week 15 of the NFL here in a second. But they're 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 gonna they're gonna see that. This is why now, like I said to uh tone last hour, this is a seminal moment for Nick. And who he is, he writes, the, should he? Yes. How many pe I think they'll probably win. But you're not that much better than them. You think you are, you're not. How many people think your head and heels above better than Seattle? Or that you're. Completely a slam dunk better than Seattle. The only thing you're better than Seattle at is your offense. Your defense isn't better. Your coaching isn't better. Your, your, your offense is better. That's it. You're not your your trends say it. Seattle has the 20th best offense in the league, averaging around 350. And you're the 22nd defense to push to me, favoring the offense because of the two wideouts they have, because you can't cover them. Where's your advantage on defense against Seattle's offense? Where is your advantage? Shit, man. I said this before earlier, too, Yale. Seattle played better against Dallas and. Um, San Francisco Then you did. Right? And, and Carroll's a superior coach to Nick. Pete Carroll's going to the Hall of Fame. Just remember that. Pete Carroll's going to Canton. When everything is said and done. Okay. Yeah, man. Seattle's going to put up a fight up there where traditionally you've had. I I do think the drew lock thing is a thing. If he starts clearly favors Philly. And you know what? It would be great to get a break for the Eagles for one week. Before you have to deal with New York, it would be great to get a break. That team hasn't had a break in I don't know how long. A break in the schedule, I'm talking. They haven't had a break in their schedule. It'd be great. Dude, but here sometimes you get this. Drew Locke gets put in there as a starter. You have a letdown mentally because you think you're going to go in there and beat them, and a backup ends up beating you. Ask the 49ers how that felt. Okay, P.J. Walker beat them, and now there's a great defense in Cleveland. But you can't let your guard down right now. Dude, four games left, you have no room. Remember, I kept saying this, okay? Keon, I don't think Nick has to go if you don't win out. I think there'll be a lot of questions. Look, Keon, if I made that seem that Nick should be fired, I'm saying – he'll have a lot to answer for in the off season. If they don't win out and then they get bounced, you're going to see an organization that's going to look like when Doug got fired on how they make decisions on their coordinators. Let me say this to you. If you, if, if they get bounced and they don't win the East and they don't win home field. And I think you're going to win the East. I do. I do not believe Dallas is beating Buffalo. I'll tell you what would be a disaster is if Dallas loses against Buffalo and you lose the next day on Monday to Seattle. That would be a colossal disaster. Okay? Because you keep Dallas in the room with a short runway. They would still have, if I'm not mistaken, they would still have Detroit and Miami that they have to deal with still. I think both those teams can beat them. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to go into a three-game losing streak because then you have starting to cast doubt on yourselves. And then you get Tommy DeVito on the other side of that. Then you start asking the question, dude, what a game on Monday. This is going to be the most interesting game on Monday of the season. This will, for the Eagles, this will be the most interesting ball game. Do you agree? For the Eagles season, the most anticipated were Dallas, Miami, Kansas City, San Francisco. But this now, because of what's been transpiring, this here has to be the most interesting game of the year. Because Dirt, how is Philly at dude? Do I trust the players? Yes. Do I trust the coaches? You know I don't. Can it come together? Can Jalen bring it together? Boy, I can't wait to see him play on Monday. I really can't wait to see him play. I'll tell you this, man. If Hertz puts up a great performance against Seattle, Monday night. Whew, what a gut check game. I'll say that Tuesday morning. What a gut check game. You go into that whole thing, listen to all the noise, and you go come out of a win, 335 yards passing, 50 rushing, carried his team to a win, a much needed win. Dallas loses. San Francisco's got Arizona. So they're gonna kill that team, I think. It is a divisional game. So, but still, I think they kill them. Now, Kyler Murray is there. Okay. That might be, hey, Arizona's going to play that game like it's the Super Bowl. Okay. They're going to play that game like it's the Super Bowl. And Jonathan Gannon, having coordinated up last year, the NFC title game, I don't know. We'll see what they do. Okay. Then you potentially can win out and go fourteen and three, which would be insane. And you'd be four and two in that stretch of games. Didn't look great. You're still four and two. Four years from now, no one will remember Dallas killing you and San Francisco killing you. They'll just remember you went fourteen and three. Okay, they get that. And you probably win home field. I do not believe San Francisco is going to beat the Ravens. Okay? I do not. I think the Ravens, personally, I think the Ravens are one of the top three teams in the league. I think they're going to get to Super Bowl this year with Lamar. I really do. I think they're going to get to the Super Bowl. All right. I want to look at week 15. When we come back out of the timeout, please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show.
4: Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, shop, have a beer, Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard, give your friends a Hooters gift card.
1: This year, stuff their stockings and yours too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift
4: cards are here, good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored.
2: professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation at malamut associates that is a tenet by which we live we prepare from day one for victory anything less is not acceptable
0: underdog fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their fantasy pick'em game You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money
5: L-E-X, Eagles.
3: Am I right when I say that it's got to be one of the most disappointing tenant? Hey, dude, I think that's a testament to you guys that it's the most disappointing 10 and 3 team in Eagle history and maybe NFL history, right? That's a testament to you. It is. It's a testament to you, man. It is. I mean, God, think about this, for instance. Since so I have an 85-inch TV. When I seen you at KOP, I have to tell you, for this, who need to know, you look much smaller on TV. <laughs> I know now why you, you took up a whole row on the plane. Thank you, Bear. Bear, I take that with great pride, okay? Bear, are you under the impression I chose to look like this? When I was 285 and I played, I had 11% body fat. Now, I have about 100% body fat, okay? And I chose to eat that guy, okay? do you Do you understand that? I was 285 and had not one ounce of fat on me. Okay. I chose this. I, I, I want you to know that. See, my wife, she's still smoking hot. Okay. She's still absolutely smoking hot. Me, I ate the guy she married. Okay. I ate the guy she married. yeah yeah you know it's funny every time i say something about my my wife always goes to my weight my wife's a little colorblind right and i go you'll never be a pilot she'll go you'll never fit into a cockpit (laughs) that's the kind of life i live (laughs) and i go like this yeah you know this shirt's kind of tight she goes well maybe if you lost a couple hundred pounds And and i'm going like this just not like she says hey how about this It's not like she says to me, she goes, hey, once you lose like 20 or 30 pounds, you know, maybe it's like, it's more like this. Hey, why don't you lose a couple hundred pounds? Hey, shut the hell. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Hey, I wouldn't be looking there to hear wrinkles. So I I call her wrinkles now. And she calls me big fella. (laughs) I'm not kidding you, man. Hey, maniac. I call my wife wrinkles. And she, uh, she calls me Big Fella. <laughs> hey, how you doing there, Big Fella? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. And <laughs> Bear, it's <you>. good. <laughs> Hilarious stuff, man. Yeah, man, I saw myself too at the Hooters. I'm like, holy cow, man, but on to me. Maybe I should lay off the pasta fazool a little bit, right? <laughs> Sells <laughs> uh, too much pasta for soul. <laughs> 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 Wrinkles is getting down on the couch for a week. No, no, you have to understand something. I don't give a shit about sleeping on the couch, Hollywood. It's more about peanut butter and jelly. You see, my aunt will always ask me, "What's for dinner? What's for dinner?" uh, uh like uh, what is it? Uh, cheese sandwiches and Kool Aid. <laughs> Grilled cheese and Kool-Aid. Like I'm a prisoner in cell block seven. What are you having for dinner? Grilled cheese and (laughs) Kool-Aid. I'm glad people like pasta fazol. I like pasta fazol too. Yes. Uh, Extra beans, absolutely. Hey, I'm going to throw this at you before we look at week 15 here. What would you make of this if I heard this and... People throwing this around. What about Belichick to the Raiders? Don't let don't lay off. Be happy. Thank you. What about Belichick to the Raiders? Give Bill total control. And guess who else is there? Tom Brady, is minority owner. What do you make of that? Yeah. No, 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 no. Senor goes, Raiders already tried a Patriot coach. Yeah, not the coach. No, no, no. You try to coach with no success. How about Belichick and Brady working together in the Raider organization? Tom's a minority owner of the Raiders. No, not Tom come out of retirement. He's a minority owner of the Raiders. He's already bought the WNBA percentage of the team that Mark Davis owns. How about giving him total control of the Raiders? You got Garoppolo there too. You hire Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator, kind of duplicate kind of what you had in New England. And you got Brady helping Doesn't that make sense? Tom Brady working with Belichick again in New England, or excuse me, in Las Vegas with the Raiders. Would Mark Davis be more open to that instead of Antonio Pierce? Because you still have to get a GM in the building. Keon goes, I don't think New England's letting him go yet. You know, I'm I, I don't know, man. A lot of people um, are, you know, they're kind of getting there with it. Mike Vrabel, head coach in New England. I'm talking more about the Raiders. Okay, so you don't bring back McDaniels. You bring a different coordinator in. Maybe Tom's got an idea. Okay. How about Belichick and Tom working together, and you name Tom as some sort of executive and president of the Raiders? Tom Brady, president of the Raiders. Belichick, head of operations and head coach. If you're Mark Davis, would you sign off on that? I would. I'd at least give that a shot. Hey, Sills, I'm going to give Tom Brady as the president of your organization where he attracted every single player to want to play for him. And he'll know how to build an offense and what to do and what to look for in a quarterback. Belichick, the greatest defensive-minded guy built the New England Patriots. You want to take a crack at that? I'll take a swing with that. It's better than taking a swing with Antonio Pierce. Brady and Belichick working together that trying to build the Raiders into a power versus Antonio Pierce. I don't know. I might take a swing at Brady and Belichick. And plus, how about this? Brady can fire Belichick. And Brady would if it wasn't working. Okay. Okay. Yell goes, they need a quarterback. Okay. Who better to pick it than a guy who drafted five starters and a guy who's the GOAT? Oh, right there, too. Alex got a full house every night in Vegas. Tom Brady sitting in the owner's box as the president of the organization. Tell me that's not John Gruden-ish and Mark Davis and Las Vegas-ish. Tom Brady's the president of a team in Las Vegas where the Super Bowl's going to be and Belichick's the head football coach of the Raiders and head of operations. (laughs) No, that won't work, but Antonio Pierce will. And because the Raiders have been so successful, you got to remember something about the Raiders, and I love the Raiders. It's one of my favorite franchises. Because I loved Al Davis. And to his dying breath, I loved Al Davis. And I still love Al Davis. Al Davis, Yale, you'll know this. The Raiders were one of the most successful and winningest franchises in pro football probably until the year 2000. They had the highest win percentage. No team had higher win percentage than the Raiders for all those decades. What changed? Al Davis, instead of winning on the field, wanted to win in the courtroom. And their struggles to get a stadium of all of their own have cost them 25 years of mediocre football, one appearance in the Super Bowl in San Diego versus the Bucks. Outside of that year, the Raiders have been in court battling the league, have been looking for a stadium. They were supposed to go into Los Angeles, and that got yanked away from them. They wanted them to go to Santa Clara to share the stadium with the 49ers. They didn't want to do that. They went to Vegas, where Al Davis wanted to go 25 years ago, and finally land their own stadium outside the airport, McCarran. So they've been 25 years of dealing with off-the-field stuff that's cost them on the field. Next time, next time and no shirt cheese steaks. <laughs> oh, my God, I got it. Hey, Tone's already killed me for that. For me, not like getting a cheese steak in Philly. Next time I'm in, I'm going to do it. Top three best uniforms. I think the Raiders helmet is arguably the best helmet in the league. I do love the birds. I like the charger helmet. Um, if I were to put my hel- favorite helmets in the league history up, I would say this to you, Um, Raiders, man, Raiders, Chargers, Eagles, Steelers, Packers. I like the Bucks helmet, but this one. Um, oh, that Euler helmet was dope, Matt. The Rams helmet, <clears throat> I'd put the Rams helmet in there. You know what helmet I liked? You guys remember the old Redskin helmet that had the R in it and the spear? Not the red face guy. I never really dug that. I'm talking about the yellow R helmet. You guys remember that helmet? Some of you probably won't remember that. But the Redskins had a red helmet or a yellow helmet, and it had an R in it. And I think it had like a feather on it or something. Right? That that was a pretty cool helmet. Um, I'm trying to think. That was a really good. I never really liked the Eagle. Hey, you know one thing that the Eagles don't do? How come they don't wear that white helmet? How come the Eagles never break out that white helmet? Have they ever broken that white helmet out? What with the uh with the with the with the green feathers or green wings? Have they have they ever um broken that white helmet out? Cause they they wore that in the '60s, right? They tone goes. They've never broken that white helmet out. Shit, even the Cowboys break out. I don't really like the cowboy white helmet. I don't. I don't like that white helmet. Uh, I don't. I don't like that white helmet. I like the other one better. They've never. I wonder why. Cause that's a. Didn't they win the championship in that white helmet? They won it in that white helmet, right? Funny, they've never they've they've gone to Kelly Green for their throwbacks versus a throwback jersey that won them a championship. Interesting. They'd rather go back to gang green than to 1960. The Steelers even go back. The Packers go way back. But the Eagles won't go back to the Tommy McDonald and Bednarik team. I wonder why. I think if I'm not mistaken, hey, Eagle historians, help me out. Was that Burt Bell's team? Did Burt Bell own the Eagles when they won the 1960 championship? Yeah, was was that Burt Bell? That owned that team that won the title in '60 against the Packers. That was it was Sonny Jergensen's, uh error that won that, I, and I think if I'm not mistaken, too. Um, the other guy too, that the quarterback. Early '70s. Well, that Steagle helmet would be awesome. Yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think, man. Who owned that? I I, I thought Burt Bell, who was the, he became the commissioner of the league, and that's why the Burt Bell Award. Okay, Burt Bell. You have to understand, Burt Bell was the commissioner before Roselle. and he I think he owned the Eagles, and he was the owner of that team that won the title with McDonald, and with um, Bednarik. I think those guys won that. So we'll look at Week 15 tomorrow, as we get into a Football Friday. By the way, I think you got a gigantic. We're gonna—I'll tell you this—we're gonna look at the Cowboys game tomorrow because it directly impacts Monday Night's game with Philadelphia versus Seattle. So we're gonna look instead. Usually, what we like to do is we we like to um, preview the Eagle game for Sunday. I'm gonna look at the Cowboy game. I'm going to look at the Cowboy game for this coming Sunday because, personally, I think that's a gigantic game for the the Cowboys, for the NFC, for the 49ers, and obviously for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, guys. I appreciate you guys very much. Oh, by the way, who do you got tonight? Chargers, Raiders. What a sorry-ass game. I can't trust the Chargers. I'm going to go Raiders. I, I got to go Raiders tonight. What do you got, Tone? The refs. <laughs> yeah. How about this? If if is, is it in Las Vegas? Is it in Vegas? Because if it's in Vegas, I'm taking the Cheetah Club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going hey, to take the Cheetah Club. So we'll go there. I appreciate it. Xander, Big Joe, we thank you very much. Tony, keep kicking ass. Thank you, my friend, for everything that you do. We look forward to talking with you each and every single day on the segment at 3.30. 2 to 6 tomorrow. We shall see you on a football Friday on the flip side.
4: Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card.
1: This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near. Gift cards are here, good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are
4: always favored.